This episode is brought to you by the irresistible taste of Jif peanut butter. It's that jiffing good, it doesn't really need advertising. So instead, enjoy 30 straight seconds of semi-interesting animal facts, courtesy of Jif. Gorillas are ticklish. Jellyfish have no heart, but they don't care because they have no brain. Platypuses can sting with their feet. The offspring of a bison and a cow is called a beefalo. Coral are technically animals, so this is technically an animal fact. New Yorkers bite far more people each year than sharks do. Dogs have four legs. The ancient Aztecs referred to armadillos as turtle rabbits. Millipedes can sing. Koalas have human-like fingerprints. Humans can use their koala-like fingers to get their incredible Jif peanut butter at Jif.com. Bill WD-40. So he can lube us up for tonight's show. Cryptid 559er, how are you? Richard Elmore, good to see you. Monica, Gregory 777, Man, Double Day Clemens, Alex Fashon, welcome to SOR Chat. And uh, Jessica McCreary, thank you for coming. And Esmeralda, once again, Jorgen Johansson will be starting at left wing tonight wearing Marcus Naslin's old number 19. Yeah, he's from Lulea, Sweden. M. Coons, it's been a while. Vin Man, thanks for coming on in. And, uh, yeah, we're getting close. Hey, Bill WD-40 over on Spreaker. How you doing? Jen A., nice to see you. Hi, gorgeous Larry. And Marty Burback, good to have you here. <clears throat> Who else do we got? We're running out of time. We are running out of time. Penman, Super Duke, Super Duke, good to see you. Midnight Sasquatchers, thanks for coming on in. And I think we are caught up. Hi, Justin Shapker. Your hair looks fantastic tonight, by the way. Super Chat is open. Read the ticker below. We want you all in Vegas. Let's do this thing. Horns up. Let's rock this show. Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. A power show of knowledge tonight. Dr. Michael P. Masters is going to talk UFOs, disclosure, everything going on in the weird world that we live in. Then in hour number three, Swamp Dweller is going to be here for another spooky story. Then our resident Timbit, little Timmy Senor, joins us for the UFO report. 
Time to get to it. Dr. Michael P. Masters is a professor of biological anthropology at Montana Tech University in Butte, Montana. He received a Ph.D. in anthropology from the Ohio State University back in 2009, where he specialized in hominin evolutionary anatomy, archaeology, and biomedicine. Over the years, Dr. Masters has developed a broad academic background, which began studying physics and astronomy at Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, with further undergraduate and graduate coursework in astrobiology, statistics, astronomy, and physics. And now, he's into the woo. Yeah, he likes UFOs. He likes time travel, trying to figure out what aliens really are. We're going to get into it all with him tonight as Dr. Michael Masters returns to Spaced Out Radio. Always a pleasure to have you here, my friend. How you doing? Likewise. Always great to be here. I'm doing well. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. You have really come at this whole UFO thing from a different side with your extraterrestrials or something along those lines. One of those big words that you university guys use, <laughs> you know, see us, us small time broadcast people, we can't pronounce anything over four syllables. You know what I'm saying? It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, it's just over four, I guess. Extraterrestrials, how I've been saying that, but um, yeah, no, you're not the only one. It's uh, kind of come on a little bit uh, harder than I thought it would, especially considering it's just a derivation of the word extraterrestrial, which everybody is aware of and kind of rolls off the tongue. But, you know, honestly, give it some time and maybe um, maybe it'll be right there with it. Who knows? For you, uh, for our audience who may not be familiar, how did you get started in looking at the future of humanity and how it may tie to what we're seeing today with all of the UFO talk? Well, it's kind of been a lifelong pursuit. Uh, it started when I was little and I heard my uh, my father talking about a UFO encounter that he had. And that sort of cracked the, the nut or the eggshell. I'm really bad at idioms as it turns out. But whatever the thing is that gets cracked and then oozes all over is what happened. Um, but I didn't know that was even a real thing at that time. And it was sort of interesting to hear somebody telling a story about an encounter they had as a, a real phenomenon. And that obviously piqued my interest. And then he got Willie Strieber's book communion. And, uh, I looked up at the cover one day and sort of had this image of a early hominin modern human. And then this archetypal gray alien pop in my head and, with that came some questions about their origins, you know, whether they could be us from the future. And um, that sort of piqued a lifelong curiosity that continues to this day, uh, shaped a lot of my coursework as an under undergraduate and graduate student, and um, even a lot of my research, specifically what I look at with craniofacial anatomy, evolutionary changes and hominins throughout the last six to eight million years. And uh, it's kind of come full circle by trying to put it all together in a multidisciplinary capacity in the context of physics, astronomy, astrobiology, and more recently, philosophy, psychology. I think it's going to take the combined effort of a number of different individuals working across disciplines and, and also with others in the UFO community, industry, the military, to really um, actually get an answer about what's going on. When we first interviewed you a couple of years ago, you were just getting started in this field. You really hadn't delved into it. You kind of wrote your book, and uh, you know we kind of 
you know, talked about time travel and, and what the future may look like and whether or not time travelers were right now on this timeline as we speak. And since then, you've kind of gained a lot of popularity with your your fantastic wisdom and, and you know, your good looks as well. I will say that. Oh, no, no. Well, I mean, since I got the Dave Scott beard going now. That's anyway, true. That's before true. then, I was just a naked face, nothing, no nothing kind of guy. Well, without that beard. The beard imparts wisdom. Well, you know? the, I'm telling you, you take that beard off, you look no older than 17. So, <laughs> I mean, what's that like? What's that like, yeah. man? No, but but seriously, you have, your name has grown exponentially you've now spoken at ufo conferences you have kind of you know pushed the boundaries of of what your first book was all about i mean how do you feel now a couple years later you know being a part of this ufo movement and and people looking at you for answers yeah it's a great question and it's one i reflect on a lot um, not, not as like, you know, me personally, but the whole movement, I think that's a great way of putting it. Cause it really is a, a movement, um, a, a ball of snow that's rolling down the hill and, and gathering momentum and gathering extra snowflakes, i.e. people and, and, and researchers too. I, I actually just wrote, um, a paper and an article for the, the MUFON journal that I think comes out in March in a couple months sort of describing what the process has been like for me from an, an academic standpoint, entering the fray uh, at a time when, you know, it really wasn't something that was talked about a lot. I started writing this book in 2012 and was scared to death about what the reception would be among my academic colleagues, my institutional colleagues, my administration, obviously. So I waited till I had the protections of a, a tenured full professor position before I really started to engage and talking about this, um, and and hopefully that changes. Hopefully we can have early career scientists start to to really get into this now that it's real. It, it wasn't real in 2012 when I started doing this. The 2017 New York Times article helped a lot, and everything that sort of steamrolled from that. Um, so I just wanted to share like some of the things that have been positive. Uh, for instance, you know, one of the this book started to get some international attention. The dean and the, the then chancellor of my entire university shook my hand after seeing a Fox News article and said, hey, it's great. You know, no sense of shame or, or indignation about what it was about. Obviously, they knew it was about UFOs. They read the, the damn article. I uh, got asked to teach an honors class the next semester. Uh, just this uh, last spring and in, in May, at the end of the semester, I got a research and scholarship award from the dean of my university, and, and my nice. only research over the last year has been on UFOs. So it really, I think, signals an important change that I wanted to articulate and talk about. And obviously, it's not going to be that way everywhere. Um, you know, Montana Tech is one of the top science and engineering universities in the Pacific Northwest, and they've got a reputation to uphold, but they're standing behind this research. They're standing behind me and my publication record and my academic credentials and saying, this is important. Let's talk about this. And I think it's really great to see. I think it's great to see too, to see academia really starting to take this seriously more so than mainstream journalism, which, you know, as yeah. a journalist myself, I find extremely disappointing at the way that they have handled this entire story going back to the Same. New York times article. But for you, what, what's the reaction of your students? <clears throat> You know, when you want to talk UFOs, you know, what, what's the reaction for them? Do you get an eye roll? Do you get excitement? 
Oh yeah, totally the latter. It's it's very much excitement. And even before this was a thing, even before then, it it was. It's funny because I've taught, uh, I've taught human biological evolution, intro to biological anthropology, intro to anthropology for almost two decades now, and and this question would just come up. It wasn't anything I said, but people would go through the whole history of hominin evolution, the evolution of our toolkit and our physiology and morphology and inevitably someone would say you know that if we keep going like this won't we look like aliens and it, at that time i'd always bite my tongue even though it's something i've been working on since i was eight years old i didn't want to make waves and i didn't have the protections in place that that one gets with tenure so i would just entertain the idea and say yeah i think you know it's something to consider it makes a lot of sense but more recently we have that conversation it's it's out there they a lot of them know who i am uh before they get to class and and it's it's on the table we talk about it and and we should everyone should there's classes being taught now i just gave a guest lecture in the university of florida uh, a couple months ago actually i think it was just last month to a, a class about ufos about the the possibility of time traveling humans coming back in ufos as the time machine and and it was very well received and and it's the same response from my students i think yeah, you know, there's there's categories of people, there's categories of of the public and a, across the spectrum. But throughout history, young people have been the open minded ones, and and they come into college and they want to have conversations like that. So I think it's a great place to do it. It doesn't dominate the conversation. It's very rare that it comes up, but when it does, we talk about it, and and we should, and everybody should. No, I I totally agree with you, and. It- what role do you think academia right now has as we see this futurism of UFOs and the the fact that we're going to be moving forward with this new reality? What role at this beginning stages does academia have, considering there are still a lot of people in your position at universities, not only in the United States, but around the world, who still look at this as a an extremely science fiction fringe topic that shouldn't have money wasted on it? Yeah, I mean, you're going to have that no matter what. Uh, you could have a UFO pop down in their front yard given an anal probe in front of all their neighbors and they still wouldn't believe it happened. And all their neighbors would probably tell them it did. And they still wouldn't believe it. It does. It doesn't matter with some people. You know, I I think Neil deGrasse Tyson's never going to come around. He's too invested in the dogma of disbelief. He's a scientific UFO nihilist essentially. And it's really sad to see because people turn to him as a cultural icon. And I have deep respect Neil deGrasse Tyson. I've read his work. I followed him since I was uh, probably in high school. But it, it's sad when that happens. We shouldn't be looking to these people for answers. We should be looking to people who will actually give an answer. Not just say over and over, well, they're unidentified, so we don't know what they are. That gets us nowhere. That doesn't help anybody to just say, well, we don't know. The whole point of science is to figure out the things we don't know. So I, I think we just look past those people. We, we pat them on the head and say, all right, you'll catch up in about 10 or 15 years. But until then, we just ignore them. They, they add nothing to the conversation. We need skeptical people. We need skeptical, open-minded people. We don't need nihilistic science denier skeptics who just turn a blind eye to everything and say, well, there's no point in talking about this. That's not how science works. That's not what science is. And I don't think they should have a seat at the table. 
All right. So from an educational standpoint, the one thing that I have noticed through the last, let's say the last two years, is a real push towards this narrative that really supports the U.S. government coming together and and disclosing what they allegedly know. And you know what? We've caught them playing stupid. We've caught NASA uh, acting very odd towards this topic and not even admitting what's in their own closet. You know, the alphabet agencies seem to want to still shove this back where it belongs underneath the shag carpet of their 1970s offices in the Pentagon. I mean, we see all it happening, but we also see a lot of academics starting to get into those government positions and have government talks like Avi Loeb from Harvard and and his group, the Galileo Group. So education-wise, how do you draw the line between going for this subject and trying to disclose what you know, what we've learned from an academic level, comparatively to what the government is trying to withhold from us? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, honestly not to i don't know not to take the easy way out i don't think it's the easy way out so much as i think it's what's actually happening that that yeah theoretically we should have scientists that are saying oh here's a big question let's go investigate that that hasn't really been happening very much theoretically now that the government pretends to be acknowledging the reality of this phenomenon they should be telling us what it is that's also not happening I don't see either one of those players as being important, really. It all seems like a dog and pony show to me, to be honest. Um, I think as far as the actual boots on the ground, scientific research, that is important. But as far as the academy as a whole, you know, what do scientists say? Let's get this team of scientists who have never looked at this in their lives who are thrown together in these panels or these scientific committees who are supposed to figure it all out, like that's completely pointless. Talk to people who who do know what's going on. Talk to people who have had interactions or, or who have held classified positions that still probably aren't able to divulge anything. So I, I honestly don't pay much attention to any of it. Uh, I haven't watched any of the hearings. I, I look on Twitter the day after and see that all of my my preconceived notions are confirmed. That was all nonsense and nothing was actually solved and nothing was revealed. Um, so as far as that aspect of academia, I, I give it no credence whatsoever. But there are people doing things that I think do help drive the conversation forward and do help us answer some questions. And that should be obviously commended. And there's been a long history of people like that. Um, you know, Jalen Hynek, Jacques Vallée, Michael D. Swords. Um, Dean Radin, Jeff Krapel. There, there's so many people that have contributed in different ways to trying to push our understanding of UFOs, the paranormal, near-death experiences, all these things that we're not allowed to talk about. Um, those are the people that should be talking, in my opinion, and and not you know some cockamamie academic group that's paraded around to try to answer all the questions or get everything that NASA has been hiding for 60 or 70 years. I think that's completely pointless, but where I'm going with this very long winded rant is that I think from everything I've researched, especially over the last two years, 
<clears throat> in writing my most recent book is that it's not up to them anyway. It's it's that they're sort of just holding place or or creating knowledge, a knowledge base that other people can sort of wrap their heads around because that's all we have. You know, we don't have the visitors saying this is us, this is who we are, where we come from, when we come from. That's not happening yet. We have to build a platform. And I think that's what they're doing is building sort of a cultural platform that they're at least who's paying attention can get on board, sit on top of it, and then have a jumping off point for what is eventually revealed by the ones that are in charge. It's not them. They're not in charge. They have been watching this for 70 plus years, but they're not the ones deciding when humanity gets to know about it. It's up to them. In your opinion, is this a phenomena? It's called that a lot. So in some respects, yeah, I guess it has to be. Are you asking for like the etymology of the word phenomena? Because I'm asking for the beard. I'd have to Google that. The beardology of phenomena. The beardology says yes, because the beard tells me to use that word a lot in the context of UFOs, because that's just how we talk about it. Absolutely. But I don't know. Let me do a quick Google search and see well, if I, I agree guess, with I my guess last I, where I'm going with that is the word phenomena can tend to mean a lot of things. It can mean that it's bigger than what it is or smaller than what it is. It's really uh, in how engaged we want to try and make things and define it, right? Yeah, I mean, the first definition that came up, I, a fact or situation that is observed to exist or happen, especially one whose cause or explanation is in question. Yeah, I think that's the perfect perfect definition for for what's happening here and, and not, again not just with ufos but a lot of paranormal activity that has been easily dismissed for generations um there's sort of an ebb and flow it's weird too like throughout the mid to late 1800s there was a great interest in this i remember when i was a kid they'd have those commercials for like time magazine or something like is your hand burning that means you're you know, your aunt just burned her hand on the stove in Wichita or something like there was an actual genuine interest in that when I was a kid. And I always thought that was um, kind of cool. I remember being interested in that stuff. I didn't have any idea what they were talking about, but like those kinds of questions, maybe it was just the music they played in the background. But um, yeah, no, I definitely think. It this episode is brought to you by Progressive. What's one thing you'd purchase with a little extra savings, a weighted blanket, smart speaker, that new self-care trend you keep hearing about. Well, Progressive wants to make sure you're getting what you want by helping you save money on car insurance. Drivers who save by switching to Progressive save over $700 on average, and customers can qualify for an average of six discounts when they sign up. Discounts like having multiple vehicles on your policy. Progressive offers outstanding coverage and award-winning claim service. Day or night, they have customer support 24-7, 365 days a year. When you need them most, they're at their best. A little off your rate each month goes a long way. Get a quote today at Progressive.com and see why four out of five new auto customers recommend Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2020 and May 2021. Potential savings will vary. Discounts vary and are not available in all states and situations. I think my niece, Allie, was pushed off that ledge. From the network that brought you Cruel Summer comes the watchful eye. People will do despicable things to get their hands on a fortune. 
Did you see anything or hear anything? These people play really dirty. Yeah, so do you. There are lies everywhere. If we pull this off, we're set for life. Get out now. And eyes everywhere. It feels like someone's always watching you. They have to pay for what they did. The Watchful Eye. Series premiere January 30th on Freeform and stream on Hulu. It falls in the category of something as a a cause or explanation that is in question. Well, two and a half minutes to go before we got to go to break at the bottom of the hour. Dr. Michael Masters is our guest tonight from Montana Tech. Do you look at this, you know, when you see other universities getting on board, we see the work that Gary Nolan, who will be our guest tomorrow night, uh, we see what he's doing at Stanford. We, you know, hear reports about, you know, the tests that are going on at Rice University regarding experiencers. We know what Avi Loeb has been up to ever since Oumuamua decided to, you know, open up their hatch and wave hello, you know, back in 2017. Do we see more academics or universities making this a critical part of the scientific study? Uh, With... Two minutes left, I would say yes and no. It's those places that have always kind of been involved. There was the Stanford Research Institute at Stanford. John Mack was at Harvard. Um, Jeff Kripal's been doing cool stuff at Rice for, for decades. So I think it's the same places where you have established people who have done things to establish that place. But they also still have credentials on their own. They're respectable institutions of higher education. And I think it'll keep happening more. I don't see it happening at the speed I would like. And I think most people would like. But again, how do you just jump into this? A lot of these people have had experiences that they've had an interest in this for so long. They can come from a place that gives them a head start for people that are just like, wow, this is a crazy thing. And I really want to learn more about it. They're starting from scratch. And I think it's going to take time to catch up. Well, being a leader in that field, do you get a lot of university professors calling you up like you just spoke at Florida State? We got about 45 seconds. Do you get other universities calling you up saying, hey, you know, what is this all about? What are you doing? To some extent, yeah. I mean, it's 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 piecemeal. It's here and there. Um, it's it's reporters. It's professors. It's ex-CIA. It's, you know, a little bit of everybody. Uh, people have had experiences, doctors, physicists. Um, I, I think it's just it's going to amalgamate and we're just going to drive it all together and boost it up. But it seems to be a pretty slow process from from what I can tell, at least so far. Maybe that'll change soon. All right. Right from there, I'm going to get you to hold on right there. Dr. Michael P. Masters, anthropologist from Montana Tech. Yeah, I'm not going to bug him about his university this time because he did go to <laughs> the Ohio State the love it yeah we can circle back to that if we need to because i do like explaining that we don't have to well we'll get into it we'll get into it and his football picks for this weekend as well (laughs) talking time travel talking ufos talking disclosure dr michael p masters here tonight on spaced out radio we'll be back right after this that was a good start Good, yeah, solid start. Definitely. You know? Uh, like are we still... We're still live on YouTube. People still see us? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to wear a hat tonight. <coughs> and then my wife's <coughs> like, do people wear hats in interviews? And I was like, hmm. 
No, I guess I've never seen that. So I apologize for the crazy air, but. Well, it's nothing a little Brill Cream can't cure. What the hell is Brill Cream? Didn't your grandfather use Brill Cream? God, my no, grandfather did. It's the first hair gel. It's like putting uh, okay. it's like putting five W thirty in your hands and then rubbing it in your yeah, hands. and then they comb it down and make it real slick. Yeah, I guess oh, my yeah. grandpappy did too. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I've never called him my grandpappy in real life until just now. There you go. There you go. You've been watching some hockey, have you, Dave? I've been watching the mess at the Vancouver Canucks. That's for sure. My God. Not so good this year. No, it's terrible. They just fired their coach. And uh, oh. brought in another coach, and not a fan. Yeah, it's going to be a rebuilding year, huh? Yeah, but the problem with the NHL draft now is Gary Bettman screwed it up so bad after uh, the Edmonton Oilers got Connor McDavid eight years ago that that uh, you know there, you can't even tank anymore to get a good player. You know, you uh. you can't. That sucks because you know part of the fun when it gets to this time of year is. You know, trade away a bunch of guys and then and then tank to get the number one pick, right? And yeah, that's how it is in football. Yeah, I mean, not not in Gary's world. Gary's an mm. idiot. You heard me, Gary. May the aliens come and take you. <laughs> that could be a good thing, though. I mean, if they do come and take them, maybe they'll instill some uh, some better franchise logistical skills in them. Yeah, I can. They seem to be smarter than us, is what I'm saying. Yeah, well, hopefully they can smarten up the NHL and bring hockey back to instead of that soccer on ice crap we see today. Those were some great memes, though, during the World Cup. Did you see any of those? Oh, those are beautiful. The best one, yeah, it was like I figured out how to fix soccer. Um, you cut it from 11 players to nine instead of two periods, there's three. You shrink the field down, make the goal smaller, goalie bigger, yeah. cover everything in ice. That's right. D- does your school That's hockey, my friend? Does your school have a, a hockey team? We have a hockey club team, and they're pretty damn good. Everybody up here in Montana is good. They grow up playing all year round. On we have six different ice rinks here in Butte, where I live. Nice. It's only a town of thirty-five thousand people, but there's rinks everywhere. The the city keeps them up, and people go out there and set up their nets and nice. throw Out, down. Outdoor or indoor? Yeah, outdoor. Well, we have a, a really big uh, indoor arena too, and we yeah. have a we have a city team. Yeah. So it's not. It's, I, I don't know what you call it, like amateurs, junior pro, junior A, junior A, probably. Yeah, yeah. they play. I think- but no, all the other ones are just maintained by the city, and kids can go out there and use them. So you got a, a good avenue for doing it if you want to. I almost, uh, you know, a number of years ago, going back to my, you got the Butte Cobras. Yeah, the that's them team. actually. Butte you know, Cobras. You know what's funny is back in, uh, I think it was nineteen ninety four. Five ninety six, was it then? No, it was after I came back from the island. So about two thousand two thousand one, it came down to myself and Pat Lafontaine's brother to coach the Bozabon Ice Dogs for the head coaching position. Huh. Yeah, interesting. Then I ended up accepting a, a there was a, a fledgling junior league in Florida. 
uh, called, uh, I forget what it was called, but uh, there was a team right in Cape Canaveral called the Space Coast Blast. And I got recruited and I got hired as their head coach. And three, oh, nice. three weeks before I was supposed to head down there, they shut the entire league down because three out of the eight teams dropped out. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So, yeah, they were getting my green card and, and everything, man, and and uh, putting me up in a place to live, and and all my travel expenses would have been covered. It, I had a good deal on wow. paper, man. That sounds like an awesome gig, teaching hockey in Florida. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. You get the best of both worlds. Right. Get the cold ice and some deep sea fishing. Yeah. That yep. sounds that sounds like a good gig. I'm sorry that happened. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be, right? Uh hold one yeah, second. Jim. One second here. Thank you to T Tui and Deb for the super chats tonight. Very much appreciate your love and support. The super chat is a wonderful way to support what we do. And of course, let's see you all in Vegas. We're gonna get emails out to you very soon. Check the ticker. Here we go. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I really do appreciate it. I want to remind you that if you missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. Dr. Michael P. Masters is here from Montana Tech, and we are talking about UFOs disclosure. And Mike, thank you so much for being here, my friend. It's always good to be with you. Yeah. In fact, you know, I've got a bone to pick. I'm sorry. But. The last few times I've been on, you've introduced me as friend of the show. Aren't you? Are we still friends, Dave? Yeah. Why you didn't you didn't this time? Let me redo that. Uh, welcome back to. Space can you edit it? Can you edit it in? Like, no, to I'll, the I'll just add it right now. Can you just add that? Great friend of this show, Doctor Michael P. Masters, beard connoisseur. there we go now we're square he only smokes cigars that are one hundred dollars or more that's the way you roll if you yeah if you're talking about black and milds and swisher sweets really like gold plated ones then that is absolutely true very true very true Raising Cane's is bringing the party this Mardi Gras with tailgates full of cooked-to-order chicken fingers and jugs of freshly squeezed lemonade and freshly brewed tea. Order online or in the app today. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. (laughs) Raising Cane's wants to help you get extra saucy this Mardi Gras. Stop by Cane's and pick up a doubloon for just $1. Then present the doubloon on all of your visits through April 6th for a free Cane's sauce with any purchase. Let the sauce and good times roll. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. <laughs> the balloons available to purchase 12323 through 22123. Redemption of offer valid 12323 to 4623 at participating restaurants while supplies last. Limit one extra cane sauce with purchase per day.
Atrium. I'm surprised in all your hunting adventures in Montana, you haven't seen Sasquatch yet, to be honest. Yeah, not yet. I mostly just go where the elk are. Uh, the herds of Sasquatch usually get driven away by them is all I can come up with. But you never know. I could stumble into one of their herds, too. I'm gonna- and, uh, which is interesting if you think about it. You know, I know you and I debate this a lot, and we don't have to tonight. But uh, all primates live in big social groups. There's very few. Like the orangutan is one of few examples that are solitary. So unless they're direct descendant of some orangutan phylogeny it really doesn't make sense why you wouldn't see big groups of them rummaging around the forest or putting that out there just as a hypothetical maybe they're magical yeah i have come to sort of think that lately maybe not magic because that carries with it a number of other connotations but i was at a um speaking of rice university they're opening the archives conference they did march of last year and i was at a table with uh jay king and uh, a number of other people, I forget who exactly was telling me the story, but they were talking about um, <clears throat> someone who they've seen. All right, now we're separated by like two different people. I apologize for that. But the story is the important part that they they were walking down a road and in the middle of this road was like this weird ball of like string. It was just like pulsating and moving and it looked like it had legs, but then the top was just like this weird like like in the the show dark how they would like draw this sort of energy blob down and and it would form into a little sphere and then all of a sudden it formed into like a full sasquatch and started like moving across the road and and that description to me provided somewhat of some inkling of an ability to believe in sasquatch if it is some sort of interdimensional anomaly or something that just kind of dips in and out of our existence. Cause that, you know, we've talked a lot about my hangups about the social aspects, the curiosity of hominins, why we don't find their bones and stuff like that. But if it is some sort of like dipping in and out of our four dimensional space time presence, I, I might be able to get on board with that. I'm just saying maybe we have common ground here, Dave. Well, hey, maybe, you know, I'm going to take you, get you to, I'm going to hook you up with uh, our good friend, Duke Sullivan out of montana he hosts uh, world bigfoot radio but he goes out in the forest all the time up in the mountains up there and he has a couple of hot spots maybe uh get you started on that which which part of montana is he in oh i think he's in the chat room super duke are you in our chat room tonight if so let me know what part of montana you are in I'd be curious because i have heard more things from up north i'm in the southwest yeah he's is- he's more up north yeah, it's also a really mountainous, wooded, wild area, but I, you don't hear much about it around here. You hear a lot about UFO encounters, but not really about Sasquatch. By the way, I've been meaning to ask what's happening down here. It's been a while since I've been on your show. There's like water, a cat's painting watercolor uh, or something. That is, uh, that is Dirty Filth right there, who is, uh, he's our resident artist, and he paints pictures during the show. It's awesome. I love it. It's uh, it's mesmerizing, and every now and then there's a cat, and I I just saw the human hand, but for some reason I thought it was like yeah an, an AI chatbot watercolor cat or something. The cat's name is Blob, and Blob like, All right. Blob knows that uh, when the camera's on, she has to perform and do her cat thing. So 
cats and dogs are good about that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I, I dig it. This is fantastic too. art. That was actually whiskey earlier. Oh, was that whiskey earlier? There's two yes, cats. that was whiskey. Yeah. Maybe They're... Blob just morphed into whiskey. Yeah. Okay, back to cartoons. Yeah, dirty filth. That, you, you know what? That's a rarity to actually have dirty filth come in during a show like that. He's usually uh, quite um, quite mute during the show. But that was awesome, Dirty. Way to go. Way to go. Way to Welcome. Sh- Welcome, Dirty. I like your art. And I think uh, Missoula was the answer to the question. Yes. So, yeah, that would make sense. I mean, anywhere anywhere west, north, northeast, southwest of Missoula. Yes. So, the Bitter Roots. It's the Bitter Root Mountains. You need to go. You need to go up there with with them one day in the summer. It gives you a reason to wear camouflage in the summer. Yeah. Yeah, I don't wear camouflage anymore because people always make jokes about how they just see a floating head, and then I got sick of those jokes, so I stopped wearing camouflage. You cannot stop wearing camouflage. Well, I still wear hunting, but as far as, like, I had a camouflage coat that I would wear out that I got at a thrift store in high school. Oh, yeah, nobody would And it was a sweet coat, and I just got sick of that joke, so I stopped wearing it. I can understand that. Up here doesn't matter what you are, whether you're driving a vehicle. Somebody up in my town actually did uh, took their Maserati, okay, the only Maserati in town, and actually painted it camouflage. There's a hmm. camouflage Maserati riding around my town. That's an interesting choice. Like like hand painted, or they had someone detail it and did a good job. I, I think some it's a wrap. In, like I, some ghetto ass. I think I think it's a wrap. Spray paint job. Okay, it, I think it's well, that, that's probably it. Probably looks pretty good then. Yeah, it, it doesn't look too bad. I mean, but it just shows you how hick town I'm in, man. When somebody takes a Maserati <laughs> and and uh, and uh, I know the guy too. He actually owns one of the local restaurants. Really good food, but uh, yeah, yeah you he must be doing all right if he's got a Maserati. Yeah, for sure. Well, he's one of them Vancouver transplants. Vancouver transplants. They, they come up here and they do things different. They want they want street lights. Street yeah, it's, lights. it's terrible. Those, you, you those move, barbarians. I know. You move into our town, man. You, you don't know. I, I'm like you. Okay, live in the wilderness like you. Like you, you have to look out your front door before you actually step on out. You know, because you never. Yeah, know. no, big time. And people we don't had, understand we had that. Three bears this year. Uh, a moose that lives here all the time. We've talked about that before, but he'll just be chilling out. Like at the bottom of my steps, uh, had an elk on our porch one day. Like, yeah, you you don't just walk out the door. No, you gotta you gotta look around first. Oh yeah, I have like eight big trees, like seventy foot trees in my front yard. Oh, and nice. one of these days, I know there's gonna be a cat up there. I know yeah, there's gonna that's be. That's the thing I worry about the most. But that's why we have a bunch of dogs around. Just peeing and poop and ever what are your fcc rules can i say nope. piss and shit or is nope. it peeing? oh sorry, nope, nope. sorry. Good, good. i actually should have let you answer before i said that that's okay uh, that's okay i think pee, i blocked pee and poop yeah all right awesome um but yeah if you have like dogs kind of spray in the area i think i think that would i don't know i'm hopeful but oh yeah anyway you let's hope. get back on track ufos here. what kind of what kind of show are you running man hey man talking it, about wild animals and stuff on you yeah, well, let's let's get into UFOs here because I, I want to ask you just point blank because a lot of 
people within the academic community are being asked to join different groups now, whether it's Galileo, whether it's the new Enigma or anything. Have you been offered? Uh, yeah, well, yes and no. I mean, I have a lot of conversations with people, but it's kind of like at my university, there came a point where they would ask me to be on all kinds of committees and like all these hiring committees and research committees. And, and I just started saying no, cause I didn't have the time and I wanted to focus on research and writing and, and teaching and things like that. And so I've sort of carried that over into this sort of thing too, where if it seems like it's really important or it'll add something, I'll have a conversation, but I won't, likely hop on to what's happening um same with like tv and and documentary stuff it's just if it doesn't seem to jive with the the message you know or or the the mission that i feel that i am on to to just bring awareness to another alternate theory about um ufos that, that arguably has been around for a while but hasn't necessarily had someone that's championing it as an idea that needs to be paid attention to, then, you know, I'm not, I'm not really going to be a part of it. I don't, I don't see a point. I don't, I'm not in it for the money. I'm not in it to be on TV. Honestly, I don't really care um, about any of that. I shot a scene with Harrison Ford a couple months ago, though. That was kind of fun. What was that about? But that wasn't, uh, not UFOs. It was for that 1923 show, the the prequel to Yellowstone. Well, I was in Yellowstone too. That scene where Homeboy announces the um, the impeachment of Dutton, whatever his name is. I don't actually watch the show, but I was I was a senator in that. I was in the Senate chamber, and that was just fun. I just want to do that because I thought it was fun to see what a production like that looked like. But what you know, you can't even see me. I don't I don't do it to be on TV. It's just some walking around money and a good chance to hang out with Harrison Ford, I guess. But um, as far as like, you know, any of those projects, I, I see the value in them. If I have something I can add, I'll definitely talk to people about it. But if I don't, I'm not just going to join things for, you know, to put my name on it or their name on my resume. I don't really care about any of that. So so very long-winded question. Uh, no, short question, long-winded answer. Uh, no, is is the very short answer. I like it. I like it. And I like the fact that you're remaining independent on it. Four juicy Raisin Cane's chicken fingers, garlicky buttered Texas toast, crispy crinkle-cut fries, fresh coleslaw, and the secret cane sauce that makes the perfect box combo. We take pride in making the best chicken finger meals. One love, ready to go. And you can taste it in every bite. Raisin Cane's chicken fingers. One love. Four juicy Raisin Cane's chicken fingers. Texas toast, fries, coleslaw, and the secret cane sauce that makes the perfect box combo. One love, ready to go. Raising Cane's chicken fingers, one love. Because, you know, the one concern that I have with all of these new groups that are popping up, you know, like MUFON's getting into the government game, Enigma's come out of... Are they? How so? What are uh, they doing in the government? They are actually 
actually just came down last week that they are trying to become the civilian reporters for the Arrow program. What 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 does that mean? Civilian reporters well, they want, for Arrow. Program. So that way they have they get the civilian reports, and that way they can uh, test the civilian reports with what's going on with the military reports or the commercial airliner reports or whatever that's coming. Uh, yeah, I mean that does seem kind of important though, like because you want to have some sort of mediation between what people see and what pilots see. It shouldn't just all be about what pilots see. That only gives us a tiny fraction of, of the information about what's going on. So isn't that good? Do you see that as good? Uh, I don't like it. Why? Why don't you like it? Well, if you go back 50 some years ago when MUFON started, MUFON's main goal was to be the voice of the people who are having some extraordinary sightings and experiences, but were being uh, left in a lurch looking for answers. And I think MUFON has become through its, there's a big difference between its board of directors and the people who are actually boots on ground doing the work. The people who yeah, are, that. the people who are boots on ground are incredible people. They are hardworking. They're passionate, you know, and they they want to try and solve this. However, the board of directors wants to play the government role, and they because they want to be a part of the conversation after not really doing their own proper PR, in my opinion, for a number of years. So I mean, I think that's a a valid critique. I I would point out too that they got handed. Oh, it's so hard not to use swear words, Dave. I know. Myself. It's they got handed a a crappy stick when Jan Harzen got busted for pedophilia stuff. Like th- these people didn't expect to be in charge. They they arguably could have like mixed things up or you know put out a call for other leaders or had some votes or something. But I, I feel like they're still trying to bounce back from that. Absolutely. Like 2019, 2020. I don't know. I, d- I think they just went through a tough time and maybe are focused on rebounding m- more. That, I don't know. That's just well, my knee jerk reaction. But. I, I remember when that Jan Harzen incident happened and it is allegedly happening, happened because he still hasn't been convicted of any crime. Allegedly, yes. Allegedly. I meant that allegedly. Then. Yes. So the, the the point that I'm getting at is a good friend of mine was on the board of directors at that time. And I said, I called him privately and I said, I'm going to give you a freebie here for the press. I said, what you guys need to do is you need to hire an independent investigator and to do an independent investigation to make sure there's no more of this crap going on at the office or with any other board members. And he agreed. He took that to the meeting where the current administration that stepped in on an emergency basis, but they're still there, shot it down because MUFON has a habit where if we don't talk about it, it never happened. They they still remain silent on the, you know, Bob Bigelow in 2007 buying in uh, to uh, get their information and starting the star team and, everything like that. When he bought in for $600,000, they still never really addressed the John Ventry incident of, of racial slurs that he posted on Facebook 
and it took they they never wanted to talk about that jan was only wanting to talk about peace love and light he never wanted to deal with anything directly and we've seen the same thing in this situation well the ufo public has a long memory and if you don't do your due diligence and or every now and again say we're sorry we're going to do better they will hold you accountable yeah and should absolutely and especially when it comes to things like pedophilia and racism and and fraud anything like that any any alleged act should be nipped in the bud instantly um <clears throat> and my only point and that goes for any organization not just them but especially one in the limelight like that that people have turned to for for decades for guidance on this are arguably the largest ufo organization um but my point is that i i do think there there is hope for uh, who i guess who else is going to do it you know who else would be that uh that sort of mediation between the government and and again going back to my earlier statement i don't think any of it matters i think it's all completely nonsense but as far as like public perception of these things who else could fill that role if they have one of the largest databases, the largest number of highly trained investigators that do have boots on the ground because their state directors are awesome. I've, I've worked with many, many of them and they're such great people that are doing great work. I am absolutely with you that the administration has dropped some balls. Uh, that was a really poor choice. That one works for us. <laughs> It was a Freudian slip, maybe. I don't know. But they've definitely dropped the ball on on many different things, many different occasions. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like the organization is more than that. And I try to focus on the people I talk to who work to investigate for very legitimate reasons, who really want to crack the case and figure this out. And they put in so many hours. And I, I don't know. I, I guess... I'm I'm with you, but I'm I'm still trying to give them a pass to some extent, and honestly, just don't know who else could do that if the government is looking for some organization that can be that mediator with these cases. Oh, very true, very true. I mean, but the I, I guess what I'm saying is, who is sticking up for the people? Like you stated earlier, you know, it's easy to get the pilots to talk about it because they're trained, you know they're trained to be able to see everything that's around them. It's kind of their safety, whether you're flying a, a $55 million FA 18 or whether you are flying a 330 passenger Airbus a 330, you know, their job is they have to be able to know what's in the sky around them at all times. They're yeah, trained yeah. observers, you know, but every day we have ordinary people like you and I, who are having these incredible sightings and encounters who are really getting pushed to the side. And if you know, and there's nobody now into really independent that is there for the people. Dude, that just reminded me of something. Uh Oh, I finally, I get asked all the time. Uh, have you ever seen a UFO? Did you find and my answer one? has always been no. I finally saw one. Yes, I know. Finally. Like here's where I would love to drop that expletive, my friend. I finally, not just one, five. I saw five. Oh, it was insane. What, it was one of the craziest we, things I've we ever got seen. Three minutes, man. 
We got three minutes. I could do it in three minutes. Let's do it. Yeah, I just let's hear this. I, and it's so funny how I keep forgetting about this too. I mentioned it on only one other podcast recently, and I just I'll go through like old podcasts and completely forget. But but something about what you just said reminded me. Okay, so I'm back uh, behind my house. I, I live in a canyon. It like comes down, but I like to walk up the side of the canyon. I even built like a weird little canyon deck. Call it my sundowner's deck. And I'll go up there sometimes, have a little whiskey, and just enjoy the sunset. But this was after dark. It was probably about around midnight, I think. And I look out across the canyon, and there's this big ridge that runs along the east side of Butte called the East Ridge because we're very creative with our names. And I see these five lights just stationary sitting across, I'm guessing behind the East Ridge, so probably seven or eight miles away but they're very distinct lights and there's no lights there because they're sitting above the horizon and then all of a sudden one by one from right to left they just shoot off like like that like the things i've had people describe to me hundreds and hundreds of times like i saw that right and i saw them go and then another one about two seconds later all five of them did that (laughs) and and I went inside and I ran upstairs. I started shaking my wife. I was like, I just saw the Starlink satellites. It was so crazy. I just saw Starlink. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. And she's like, uh-huh. Yeah, I think people see that all the time. And then, and this is why it's such an anticlimactic UFO story, because I just thought it was Starlink for like five months. And then I'm at the dentist office one day Googling Starlink. So all of a sudden I'm like, I don't think that's what it looks like. I look up the Starlink deployments. It looks nothing like that. Like they just kind of come out and then move across the sky like this. Mm-hmm. So I think I can officially say that I have seen a UFO. Yes. Congratulations. Five of them. Congratulations. Five of them. And they did that crazy thing that everybody describes that like boom. And then it's gone. It was nuts. And now I look back on it. The memory is clear as day. I just had to get past how I thought it was this normal thing, which everybody does right. in the opposite. They're like, oh, I saw this crazy thing. You find out it's normal. I saw this crazy thing. I thought it was normal, and then it turned out to be the crazy thing. I think it's great. I think it's great. It was fantastic. I you, loved it. You know, it, it's so exciting to finally have that sighting. It, I hadn't had a sighting in years. I had one in October or probably late, nice. late September. And when you That's finally recent, when you finally yeah. get it, you're like fist pumping and high fiving and everything like yeah. that. But but you know what? We will talk about this when we return on Spaced Out Radio. Little Mikey Masters finally has his UFO story. Yes, Dr. Michael P. Masters from Montana Tech talking UFOs, disclosure, and everything in between with time travel as well. Spaced Out Radio continues with hour number two next. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Dude, I'm pumped for you. That's I excellent know. news. It sucks. I mean, it does kind of take away from it that I didn't realize it in the moment, though. But honestly, once I watched those videos of the Starlink deployment, yeah, I had that moment. I was like, no, wait. That was ufos it was them it was the visitors it was the others i i saw their ships and five of them i have no idea what they were doing up there there's nothing up there at all oh there is a reservoir 
actually there's a really secluded reservoir up there called whitetail reservoir i wonder if maybe they were refueling or something could be could be i had uh i'm gonna quickly dart out of here for a second but my sighting in october at my sasquatch site i i was staring up at the sky probably about 15 degrees up nothing and uh kind of looked down the side of the vehicle my buddy and i are sitting on the sides of the vehicle uh, the front of his truck leaning back and kind of looking towards the sky I turn back, I see Mrs. S.O.R. come on up, and I'm like, hey, where's our boy? And she goes, oh, he's in the back of the truck. Oh, okay, cool. And I turn back and look in my same spot where I was. There's now two bright orbs sitting side by side. Now, I only turned my head for about four seconds, and now there's these orbs. And then the top one, to make the triangle, comes on in. And now I've got the bright triangle, okay? I, I, Mike... God is my witness. I go to pull my phone out of my jeans pocket and this thing knew because the minute my phone got about three quarters out, the two bottom ones blinked out and the top one mm-hmm. faded away. Yo, pissed me off. No, they're not stupid. They know what we're doing. Oh, they I know. know they don't want to be enumerated like that. I know. Hey, you know, you remember it. You saw that it happened. That's oh, yeah. all that matters. Let's, uh, let's take a couple minute break here. We got like four minutes here. Be right back. Dirty, it's all yours, buddy. Right on. Everyone's going for a whiz. All right, just in case you're new here, you've never been here before, we need a reminding. Go to filthy.com. That's F Y L T H Y.com. And. Buy a print, buy my book, buy my calendar, plug my stuff here. Helps my crippling pizza addiction. But nonetheless, we've got a cat. Most likely whiskey, abducting an alien tonight. I don't really we came up with that one. But that's where we are. I seen a cartoon the other day. It was a cow abducting a alien. And I figured, well, you know what? Of all my cats, if any of them had a UFO, they'd probably abduct somebody to get all types of cat snacks for them. be like to be the tractor beam. Bloody hells. The gargoyle has struck again. I can imagine stuff. 
cats are out of control, I can tell you that much. This poor alien's missing. He's only got three or five fingers. Unbelievable. Cats. Someone's sneaking back. Who is it? Way to go, dirty. Way to oh, go. one second here. Oh, yeah, there we got another, you still got snow another cat showed up. Ooh. You still got I snow like down there? Oh my god, we have so much freaking snow. Beauty. We're supposed to get two feet this weekend, too. So nice. Epic powder, man. You can actually make it to the mountain. Right on. Hey, I want to say a big thank you to Deb and T2E for the super chats tonight. Wonderful way to do uh, support what we do on this show on a nightly basis, so thank you. And a big thank you to all of you for tuning us in. Here we go. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Macropodine. Macropodine is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Hour number two from Montana Tech, Dr. Michael P. Masters is with us talking UFOs, disclosure, and everything in between, including his first ever UFO sighting. I'm proud of you, Mike, for finally Thanks, actually man. seeing I had one. nothing to do with it, but, you know, it is kind of cool. It's cool that it happened and that, in retrospect, I can reflect upon it and know that it was definitely not of this time. It feels good. So now that you've seen one, how has your attitude five. changed? No, I've seen five. Well, you've seen five. There were five things. Yes. But how has your attitude changed towards what you were before as a as a virgin of the ufology? 
Uh, you know, that's a great question. Not at all would be my answer. Honestly, like it, it, it's always something that I've understood as real. I didn't have to have my own encounter. I didn't have to see something. So even when I realized it wasn't Starlink and I could look back on that moment and recognize that that was an anomalous encounter changed nothing other than the fact that I can talk to people who have had encounters in, in a real way now. It's just it's just a question I got asked a lot. And, and there was still a period of time between when I saw it and when I realized it wasn't Starlink that I still answered that question in the negative. Like, no, I still haven't seen UFO, even though I had the realization looking back on it. It's so obvious. I I don't know. And, you know, I, I, I have to wonder if there was a UFO apathy thing there, if if it was what's so commonly described where people are just like, yeah, you see nothing. This is normal. This is regular. And my brain just went to that when when, in fact, I should have known instantly that that obviously couldn't have had anything to do with Starlink. So, yeah, it changes nothing about my perception of the phenomenon. I've always believed people who have had experiences like that, and especially those who have had more more intimate experiences where they get to go up in the craft and they meet the people. It's just it's kind of cool to have my own that I can reflect on and and that's in my memory banks and I can I can think of it as a real thing. But otherwise it changes nothing. Four juicy raisin cane chicken fingers. Garlicky butter Texas toast crispy crinkle cut fries, fresh coleslaw, and the secret cane sauce that makes the perfect box combo. We take pride in making the best chicken finger meals. One love, ready to go. And you can taste it in every bite. Raisin Cane's chicken fingers, one love. Four juicy Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers, Texas Toast, Fries, Coleslaw, and the secret cane sauce that makes the perfect box combo. One love, ready to go. Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers, one love. Wait until the little greys come visit. Then it's a whole different <laughs> ball game. Whole you, different you act like game. they haven't, Dave. You act like they haven't. I don't think they have for you yet. Little greys specifically, or... Yeah. Tall grays? Could be tall. Who are we talking about? Kata, tall? Any, any type. Medium, medium small, sized grays? Small, medium, large, extra large. You Smallish know. grays. What about the grays that were genetically pre-programmed to be tall, but then didn't eat enough as kids, and so they were shorter because they didn't get the nutrients they needed? Very true. Possibly. Those are the ones I met. Yeah. I don't believe that you've seen a gray yet. No, I haven't. You're right about that. No, I, I knew that. I could tell. And if I did, I would tell it to eat its vegetables so that it could grow up to be a tall gram. Public service announcement. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. Don't even know <laughs> you don't how have to. to. Don't even you don't know. have to respond to that dribble, my friend. I, I do want to ask you, though, because you were on the educational side of this, one of the th- topics over the last number of months that I have been describing to our audience is I really don't think we are in a time of disclosure. I think we are in a time of confirmation of the phenomena. Where do you stand on disclosure and potentially the fact that, or or how, let me rephrase it, where do you stand on disclosure and 
what do you think? What is disclosure to you? Sorry, I'm writing down my answer. Oh, God, my spelling's horrible. Um, so I answer that question by saying, I don't think we're in a time of disclosure either. I think we're in a time of awareness of a higher consciousness and a dissolution of ego. Okay. So why the big secret then? There's no big secret. Uh, time of awareness and uh, awareness of a higher consciousness and a dissolution of ego. There's no secret in that. I think it's a very forthright answer to your question. Well, I, I understand that. And, 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 and I will say I agree with you. But as somebody who is a professor who teaches this subject, is learning about this subject as we speak, do you look at what the government is doing with covering up a lot of the stories, a lot of the information, a lot of their knowledge, videos, and everything around it, do you look at this as a hindrance to the future of humanity? No, I don't. I, I think it's necessary. And I think the problem is our perspective. We just, we want it to happen faster than it is. And it's really painfully slow and stupid. You read the comments of literally any post anybody makes about anything, and it just makes you want to throw up in your mouth and go to bed. But I think the the thing that's happening is important. I think we need to stay focused on that, that it isn't even about the UFOs. It's about everything related to that and an awareness that is hatching. It's a little egg that's been kept under the bed of the CIA and NASA and especially the Air Force for so long. And now the egg is sort of wobbling off the bed and it's falling onto the floor and it's cracking open and little butterflies are coming out of it, even though that's not a part of their ontogenetic life at all. And I think that process is what we need to pay attention to, not who's laying on the egg, but what comes out of the egg. And I think that's happening now. I think it's actually starting to happen. And if we add the word disclosure to that, I think it's a good way of framing it, but I think it's also much more than that. So I understand that some secrets need to be kept. Okay. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's been the, the, the problem or the benefit the whole time, regardless of what side you're on. Okay, so what do you think of this threat narrative that they continue to sell? Because I know up here in Canada, the Department of Defense has said to members of Parliament who have inquired that there is no threat narrative of UFOs in Canadian skies. We don't need to worry about them. Who said that? The, the Canadian government? Members of the Department of Defense. Uh, Department of Defense. Yeah, Department of In National. Canada, though. Yes. I think they're right. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm I'm giving a talk at the MUFON conference in Cincinnati in August, and that's the whole question. Friend or foe. That's the whole point of the the uh the conference. And my my talk is friend. I mean I put a question mark after it because nobody knows. But I, I 
try to make a case that there there's really no reason to think that they're not friendly. In fact, it's the opposite. If you, if, so say you're like a three-year-old trying to fight the rock. Okay. And he's not even really paying attention to you. He's like interested in your development. Maybe it's even a son or something, but he could beat the crap out of you if he wanted to at any point. He could just sit on you and pull your hair out. He's he's not doing that. They're not doing that to us, even though they could. So why on earth would we ever consider them to be a threat? We're worried about them running into our planes. They've been circling our planes since World War II when our planes were much faster. You think our planes are going to get to the point where they're so fast that now we're accidentally going to run into something that speeds up space-time in and around it to the extent that we look like little tiny sloths moving through the sky. It, it's ridiculous. There, there's absolutely no reason why anyone should ever entertain that idea. And, and kudos to your your Canadian government for acknowledging that. It's, it's stupid. And I, I get it. I see why they do it. It draws attention to it. It makes it more American. We do that here because everything has to be like reactionary. But no, it's, it's completely idiotic. Okay, so when you see, you know, and, and this goes back to a question I had for you earlier. I don't think we got into it fully. So when you see, you know, MUFON working a little closer with the government or at least wanting to, this new Enigma group that is, high, for some reason, highly top secret, so secret, they haven't even put any of their members on their website, and yet we know they are being funded by multi-billionaire Peter Thiel, we, you know, we look at uh, a number of these groups, Galileo Project, which seems to be uh, filled with government scientists and military people or ex-military people. At some point, there seems to be a lot of NDAs going around. There seems to be a lot of, I, I, I know what I know, and you got to trust me on that. When does the public get to, in your opinion, get to be a part of the process that's i mean it, it's a great question but i think i'd have to answer the question with a question at, at what point do we have a representation of the public and doesn't it circle back to what we talked about with mufon where they're supposed to be that they're supposed to be this sort of mouthpiece for the people that see things who who is who is the public how do we address that that overarching entity that is the public voice, that is the public's perception of this reality or willingness to embrace this reality. I, I don't know. Like, what do we use as a metric for that? Well, see, my argument towards the MUFON thing, not to bring this up again, but... And, and we don't even just have to talk about MUFON. I mean that more broadly. Like, what well, if, if you're going to ask the question, like, what is the the... The, at what point do we address the public? I think we need to have a way of measuring the public's reaction to things Well, or like a, 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 a voice for them. Well, exactly. And I do think there needs to be a watchdog group that is set up, which could be MUFON if, if they wanted to go in that direction. And it would be very easy and it would be a, an extremely positive move for them, right? But they have chosen their sides and that's the way they're going to go, you know, but I right. do even outside of MUFON, even outside of MUFON. So you're saying like a watchdog group, like a grassroots organization that just 
speaks for the people and and which people the people that watch the kardashians or the people that follow ufo news or the people that just go to the beach and surf every morning or not that there's anything wrong with that because i would do that too if i had a surfboard and knew how to surf like i i guess i'm just saying i think the public is something that we say but it's harder to really quantify true enough but there's enough independent people out there who are studying this subject that, you know, if we put egos aside and came together as a watchdog group, whether it's journalists, scholars such as yourself, and, you know, just even everyday people who have had some amazing sightings and experiences, somebody has to be able to, you know, hold accountable what is going on in this plethora of groups that seems to want to talk everything in secrecy? Yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I guess I didn't understand the question before, but that makes sense. Yeah, like I, I think that would be huge for this. Um, <clears throat> I, I wouldn't even know how you would organize that, but it can't be too different from four juicy raisin cane chicken fingers. Garlicky buttered Texas toast, crispy crinkle cut fries, fresh coleslaw, and the secret cane sauce that makes the perfect box combo. We take pride in making the best chicken finger meals. One love, ready to go. And you can taste it in every bite. Raising Cane's chicken fingers, one love. <laughs> Raising Cane's is bringing the party this Mardi Gras with tailgates full of cooked-to-order chicken fingers and jugs of freshly squeezed lemonade and freshly brewed tea. Order online or in the app today. Raising Cane's chicken fingers. One love. I don't know, having town hall meetings or something and trying to gauge people's reactions to certain scenarios. or Because if that is what's happening, if, is it, if it is just about trying to prepare the public for acknowledgement of this reality that deviates so markedly from what people live on an everyday basis. And and people who are involved in this conversation are going to easily flow into this new conversation. But the rest of humanity who doesn't, who doesn't pay attention to it, there's going to be a significant ontological shock that needs to be addressed. But how do you bring those people in? Like when we're talking about the public, isn't that what to the stars is doing isn't that what you know these podcasts like yours are doing isn't that the whole reason is to try to educate people through these conversations i just i don't see logistically how you you organize everyone other than the way it's already happening and and i think the problem is going back to what we talked about earlier it's just painfully slow we see incremental progress someone reading something or hearing something or discussing something with someone, they educate someone and then they educate someone. And it's this grassroots movement that I think is happening organically. I don't know how logistically you would just force that in a way that brings everybody in. So they give up whatever it is that distracts them from the reality of what's happening. And it makes them focus on this. I, I think it's, I think it's a, a big part of what they're already trying to do. And maybe a part of the problem with why there's so many naysayers and why there's so many critics is there's just no good way to do it. And the only ones who have have already seemed to be infiltrated. Infiltrated by who? 
whether it's one, it's ego, whether it's whether it's government agents or or people like that. But don't you feel like they're all working for the same cause? <clears throat> that there's the same underlying motive, whether you call it disclosure, you just call it an awareness of something else. Because because that's what I kind of focus on. That there's an awareness that something else is happening. That's important. And people sense the change. That's the email I get the most is that I sense this thing happening and I want to know more about it. Even people I know here in Butte where I had no idea that they even paid attention to any of this. They're, they're aware. And, and isn't that awareness what we're looking for that they're, they're sort of paying more attention. And, and what about the people that aren't, do they get left behind? Is this the left behind movies, but it's not the people that didn't believe in God. It's the people that didn't pay attention to UFOs. Could be. I mean, is that the conversation? It could be. There's a lot of, there's a lot of those, those images that are shown to abductees and contactees where it's UFOs moving across the land. People are being sucked up and others are left behind. I mean, is that, I'm getting hyperbolic here, but you see my point. I totally see your point. But my my counter that to that would be why the big secret? Why if you know the, I don't, so so my why why the big secret? But the follow up would be to that: is humanity really ready for any type of involvement of extraterrestrials? The public, as you say, no, I don't think they are. But I think that's this process. I think that's what's happening now. And I, I feel that what's happening now is an attempt at, at readying minds for something that is mind-blowing. And I think it's painfully slow. Imagine how slow it is for them. Imagine how slow it is for them. They've been watching us for millennia develop and grow into the point where we have this technological singularity where their future presence and our stupidity of their presence in our past amalgamates into one awareness one grand consciousness it's so slow to them but it has to happen in a way that makes sense and it has to happen in a way that people can understand it and we're still kind of far from that but it doesn't seem that far honestly like if we had this conversation in 2000 bc it would be a very different conversation than what we're having right now even 100 years ago, it would be so different from the conversation we're having right now. Very I true. think we can only have this conversation now because it's about to happen. I don't think we're too far from it. I don't. Think and it's so. painfully slow to watch. That's why I don't read the comments. You can't read the comments because people are idiots. And you don't want to read those idiotic comments because there's a lot of people not paying attention. But something's happening, and it's different this time. It feels so different this time. What about... If you look at the the economy or religion, you know two of the two of the most affected brands of life that are going to be affected with when this comes down. I side with John Ramirez on the religion thing. I don't think that matters. People haven't been monotheistic for a long time, and the ones that still are too far gone to even pay attention to this, they think it's the devil's work or whatever. The economy will bounce back regardless. It'll be a different kind of economy, possibly an economy that has free energy 
Can you imagine what that would do to the economy? But can you imagine what that would do to our utilities bills and the way that we interact with each other and the way that we interact with the planet? I mean, maybe those are good things. This economy doesn't work for most people, especially when you consider it globally and especially across less developed countries. A reset might be a, a, a damn good thing, Dave. A reset of aliens. No, a reset of our reality and our economy, especially. It's been it's been dominated on so many fronts by the same colonial powers 500 years ago who took control of the resources and maintained control of those resources. That that's that's not woke. And who cares if it is? It's just historical accuracy. I I teach a whole class about the history of economics globally. That's just the reality of the situation. If we had a disruption of that, <laughs> that's not something we need to be fearful of. That's something we need to be cheerleaders for because it's going to be a good thing. Well, you know what? I, I think any change will be good, you know, especially, you know, now that we are officially, according to the clock of doom, 90 seconds away from World War Three. And God bless him for cheering that one on. Said that sarcastically, <laughs> but I got your sarcasm. Thank you. Many will will not though. Many will not. But I guess what I'm saying here is, you know, where do we stand for the people on this topic? I mean, there it, there are very few topics on this planet that will affect every single person whether you're living in the jungles of, the, of Brazil or Africa or whether you're in the concrete jungles of New York, Tokyo, London, Paris, wherever it may be. We may have – you know what? I'm going to get you to hold on before we come back uh, to give that answer because I don't want to have to cut you off and we only got about 10 seconds before we have to go to break. But I am kind of short. Yeah. I try to be efficient, but 10 a little too short. That's true. That's true. Dr. Michael P. Masters from Montana Tech here with us tonight talking disclosure, UFOs, time travel, and everything that kind of goes along in between. Would you be ready for disclosure? Would you be one of those ones who says, bring on the aliens? Let's go watch some football or hockey. Space Now Radio continues right after this. Stay tuned. All right, we are clear. <clears throat> what you scribbling there? I'm ready to doubt what you said. Would would you be one of the ones? Would you be ready for disclosure? Would you be ready for football or hockey? I think that's an awesome quote. I was just writing it down. Mm-hmm. Let me talk to you, some of your students about the aliens. Well, it just puts it in a way that that does acknowledge that there's a lot of distractions. And those distractions are good because we have to live in this world where everyday life is everyday life. You know, we can't just say, well, what would that world be like if the future humans or the extraterrestrials came down and said, hey, your world's different. That hasn't happened yet. So, yeah, we need to. I, I watch football like a mofo. I, I, I don't watch hockey very much. I apologize for that. But. I, I love it. I love that distraction. It's it's what gets men through 
the dark days of winter, you know? So I, I, I say that tongue in cheek, but it, it is also those distractions should be called out when there's something important happening, but that important thing hasn't happened yet. If they come down and say, we're here and people are still like, oh, football's cool, whatever, then we have a problem, but we're not quite there yet. So I don't think it matters that everybody's not paying attention. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I guess so. I find that hard, but I understand. Hard in what way? What do you mean? Well, I mean, if you have, there are very few things that are going to affect every single person on this planet. You know, not even COVID did that. Yeah, but they don't know that yet. How can they know? They not all raising canes is bringing the party this Mardi Gras with tailgates full of cooked to order chicken fingers and jugs of freshly squeezed lemonade and freshly brewed tea. Order online or in the app today. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. Four juicy Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. Texas toast, fries, coleslaw, and the secret cane sauce that makes the perfect box combo. One love, ready to go. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. Those people, they don't all watch your show. They should. True. But they don't. So how can they know right now is what I'm saying. The majority of people, if they start seeing lights over head moving towards the ground, that's an easy way to tell. Right, but they don't. They haven't yet. Right. But it could be around the corner. I think it is. And I think once it happens, we need to kind of backtrack that a little bit because I think more people will pay attention. And I think they'll start turning to people like you for answers to this because who else is talking about it? Like you said, mainstream journalist press isn't talking about it. They still laugh it off. I've, I've been on so many news segments for different things, and every single one starts with the same little, <laughs> we're talking about aliens. And, and that's not going to age well. In the next three to five years, they're going to look like fools. Fools, man. And, and you're like Mr. T. You pity the fools. I hope to someday. You know, I could be wrong, too. Maybe we'll be the fools. We're out here talking our talk, and we were wrong about everything. And I don't think that's the case. But if it is, I'll be the first one to say I was wrong. Well, there you go. There you go. I don't think you are wrong, though. I think you're going to be on the... Uh... I think you're going to be on the introductory course. You're going to be the future Jay Allen. Did you freeze? Oh, you froze up. Oh, there we're back. There we go. Now you know back. what I thought would be cool is, is if everyone involved in this conversation kept it with the people that have been having this conversation. So, you know, say CNN and MSNBC and Fox news, they've been doing a little bit, but it's kind of weird. Uh, they're all like, Oh wow, this is real. Now let's go talk to these people. But I think it'd be cool if we only talked to the people who had been talking about this the whole time. So we shift the whole spectrum of media away from the mainstream into the places where people have been having these conversations for decades. Wouldn't that be fun? We could completely like pull the rug out from under them. Could be. Could be. You know, 
In the meantime, you're hiding in your tree stand with your arrow, waiting for them grays to show up so you can <laughs> pop a couple. I wouldn't shoot the grays, Dave. Well, there are many who would. There are many who that would. That makes me feel sad. I don't know. I think it would be fun. I think if if there's already going to be a reset of the economy, a reset of who we pay attention to in broadcasting would be apropos as well. Right. We got 10 seconds. Thank you, T2E, Deb, Juan, and Frontier Times 2 for the Super Chats. Remember, Vegas Fan Party, May 19th to 21st. Check the ticker below. We want to see you there. Here we go. That's the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you missed portions of this show or others, you can always find them at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the, the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram, Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Final time tonight, Dr. Michael P. Masters is here talking UFOs, disclosure, aliens, and everything in between. He is from Montana Tech, and yeah, he teaches some good stuff down there. Sign up for his classes today. Dial 1-800-MICHAEL. 1-800-MICHAEL. I'm just saying. It does work. Michael, how you doing? Good. I was actually going to plug a real class. Um, <clears throat> 1-800-MICHAEL might get you something, but it could be Michael Strahan's class, which would probably be way cooler than mine anyway. Uh, but no, my friend... Jeff Kripal is offering a class out of Rice University about all kinds of like mutant paranormal stuff that I think would be really interesting. Um, I was trying to find the link for that, but it is eluding me. But it's worth checking out. Just Google mutant online class Jeff Kripal and it'll probably come up because I think it would be interesting. He's he's a pioneer in the the fringe sort of research. And I think it'd be a fun class. I think it would too. I think it would too. Now that you've seen your UFOs, what, what what's next? What's on the weird desk that you want to see next? Um, well, I mean, considering you do have FCC rules to abide by, I probably can't divulge too much about that, but I think it would be cool to see, broad-based acknowledgement like we've been talking about of the reality of this for other people to see something i i i think it would be cooler if it was not something that required that i mean like we were talking about earlier it didn't change anything for me i just listened to other people and i understood that it's real but i, I guess it'd be cool if 
there were just uh, more people that experienced because unfortunately that feels like it's the only way that it really draws people. And speaking of Jeff Kripal, uh he wrote a book called The Flip, where that's what the exact topic is of the book, that people will be doing very normal things, a lot of Nobel Prize winners, a lot of people that are very highly accredited in academia, and they'll have a paranormal experience, a near-death experience, a UFO encounter, whatever it is, and, and they flip, and that becomes... Uh, so I'd like to see that happen on a broader basis, I think. Very cool. Very cool. I mean, the idea that at any time we may have extraterrestrial contact. I'm sorry. Yeah. What kind of contact? Extratempestrial. Did I get it right? I mean, we don't even have to call it that. I just, I'm trying to get away from us just defaulting to like extraterrestrial or off world vehicles or non-human entities, non-human intelligence. That's the new buzzword. I'm not trying to call you out on your own show, Dave. I I think it's an important thing. I think it's an important thing that we reassess our just default terms and make them more general until we know what they are. You mean like, like the garbage UAP rather than saying UFOs? I don't think we should put unidentified in front of anything because then Neil deGrasse Tyson is just going to use that against us. He is, I, I he think, is coming around, though. I think we, he is starting uh, to come around. I don't I don't care if he is. But to have someone just say they're unidentified over and over, he cussed my friend out. He cussed my friend out about that in 2018, a producer friend of mine, a very successful producer, just yelled at him dropping f-bombs about like we don't know what they are if you for you to think because my friend thinks they're time travelers too for you to think they come from some interdimensional portal thing like he got mad and i'm like dude check yourself like theory is what starts scientific pursuits why are you so mad about that you know I don't know. So, so yeah, to answer your question, I think that's what I would like to see is just people and scientists come around to that there's something happening. What did you just stick in your nose? Was that a cocaine pen? I want one no, of those. No, that was a Vix inhaler. All right. Helps me speak smoothly because I have a. De- I don't actually. I have a deviated. I don't do cocaine. I was just curious. I know. I have a deviated septum. That makes it very difficult for me to breathe out of my nose. Too many hockey fights back in the day. <laughs> well, you sound great, man. I knew this uh, Australian guy was a big fighter, and every time he sneezed, it caused him like insane pain. Oh yeah, in his face because oh, yeah. his nose got knocked in so many times. Oh yeah, I, it sneezing. Let's see, I got my nose fixed in 1997, and sneezing kills me. To this day. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. And you know how men sneeze, too, or oh, they yeah. have big sneezes. You have to wind it up, man. You got to wind it up, you know. But now I forgot my question that I was going to ask you. Do you believe extraterrestrials are here right now? I do, yeah. And I love how you make that word even weirder every time you say it. Yeah, no, I think they are, uh, and they have been for for a long time. It, and it's easy. Like, what's the one thing that they do the most when they pick people up? What's the one thing they do more than anything else, Dave? 
They experiment on them. They do that, and then? They put downloads into their brains. Uh Uh-huh, and? They fly the ship, and then they bring you back, maybe with your clothes on if you're lucky. And what did they do while your clothes were off? Anal probe? Yes, and? I have no idea where you're going with this. They take your gametes. They take your genetic material. Sperm and egg. That is one of the most ubiquitous things that they do is take our sperm and egg. Which means if they're doing that across time, they could make people look like whatever time period they wanted. And those people could be there but still be imbued with the same telepathic characteristics, the same highly evolved consciousness characteristics that they wanted who could do whatever they want in that time period to help ease the burden of humanity and trying to get to the point that they're trying to get us to. For the purpose of? Nobody knows. Maybe disclosure. What's your theory there, maybe, Doc? Maybe just so we know. Um, I think they're probably bored honestly uh and once we reach the point where we can absorb and understand the information everything from that point on exists as the their reality it's no longer ours trying to figure out theirs it's now all of ours it's our reality and what we've always wanted why we seek disclosure so and the fact that now they can just exist on this planet too and travel in and out of whatever times they want. So I do think that they're here and I do think that they're here to help with that transition because it's going to be difficult for all the reasons we've been talking about on this show. Is is there a point where we, where we as humanity will be able to see this effect on a daily basis, you think? I do, yeah. And and my hope is that it's in this lifetime. <clears throat> I mean, I've written about this in both of my books, that, that if there aren't any barriers to backward time travel, and if there aren't paradoxes, which there shouldn't be in the block universe, then you can connect different points in time in the same way that you can different points in space. And if that's the case... Yeah, you could be walking down the street and wave hello to someone that's from 500 years in the future or 8,000 years in the future. They could be in whatever time they wanted to. And if they chose this one, I think it would be interesting. And they obviously have been interested in this time, if you believe the reports of the Foo Fighters and you know the astronauts who claim to have seen beings or craft around the moon landing, like those monumental periods that may possibly exist just before we all exist together. Like that's, that's that point. That's that really interesting point where we just didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know. And then boom, we know. And then they can just be, it doesn't have to be a secret. It doesn't have to be flying around and picking people up in secrecy. They can just say, Hey, do you want to jerk off in this cup? So we don't have to put this thing on you. You know, it can be that reality that doesn't exist now and hasn't throughout the history of humanity. 
and it's, it's obviously a strange metaphor, but you see what I'm saying. Like, it's just this, this is that singularity in time and space where we could just be one. So what do you think it is about this timeline that is attracting time travelers? Well, I don't think there's timelines. I do I do think the block universe model is correct. But if there are timelines, then, yeah, maybe this one would be interesting. I can't answer why that is. Um, but even if it's not, even if this is the block universe and we um, – everything's self-contained and, and self-consistent, then it's still going to be interesting I, and again, I always acknowledge my biases as an anthropologist because going back in time is obviously the thing we think about the most. It's what we do every with every push of our marshalled town trowel or every little piece of dirt we scrape back from a Salutrian point in southern France 20,000 years ago. It's It's all trying to figure out what the past was and to have the ability to just visit it, but then to have the ability to visit it unabashedly where you don't have to be secretive you don't have to apologize for what you're doing just trying to put myself in their shoes if they are future humans and again that's to acknowledge that's where i'm coming from if they are that that seems like a beautiful point to be if they had a secret society tens of thousands of years ago before we invented boats where they lived on an island somewhere the mythical atlantis that they had to blow up because it, you know, started to get to the point where we had boats and we would find them out. So they destroyed it. If, if it even existed, you know, it's getting into more of the foo foo conspiracy theory stuff there. But why wouldn't you, if you had the ability to go back in time and do that, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you make this beautiful civilization in a time when earth hadn't been destroyed by all the things that humans were about to do from that point on, go live in luxury, make this desirable resort for time traveling tourists to go back to and visit. They don't have to go to the Maldives. They can go to 45,000 years ago on some island in the Pacific and nobody's going to discover them. Before I get to a couple audience questions, do you think we can time travel now? If we can time travel in the future, we can time travel at any point at which they can reach. But do you think we have some secret hidden technology that allows us to time travel now. Again, it doesn't matter. As Igor Novikov said, in the presence of a time machine, the past, present, and future are all one. It, it doesn't matter. If we eventually invent time travel in the future, at whatever point, as far back as they can go, time travel exists. But you still need a machine to get there. And they have the machine. They could go pick those people up. They could give them the machine. And from that point on, you have time travel capabilities. I don't. I wouldn't entrust a Neanderthal with my UFO. I wouldn't entrust them with my time travel device. They'd fly it into a mountain. Maybe that's what Roswell was. They were like, here, you should have this. And then instantly they flew it into a mountain in the desert. But it doesn't matter. That That's my whole point is that nothing, There there is no difference in those times in the block universe, if there's time travel technology in the future, it's all one. It's all one thing. Random guy in the chat room says, Dave, we cannot time travel. Thanks, random guy. Appreciate that. Let's go That's to, helpful. 
Let's go to Exo Expansion. If our future visits our presence, doesn't that create a serious problem? Uh, I I don't see why it would. No. In the block universe, again, if it's about uh, branching timelines in the many worlds interpretation, then maybe. But one of those timelines is still going to be the same, so it doesn't affect it at all. Let's go to another question from Tony in the UK. Do you think they are talking about our seeds and taking it to other parts of the universe or planets? That's definitely possible. Um, one of my editors for the last book, he, uh, he mentioned something I'd never thought about where it's possible that in our future, you know, I always talk about future humans, but I'd never, at least lately since his point, I don't talk about them as future earth humans because obviously these craft go very fast. If they can use the electromagnetic field of the earth or whatever their anti-gravity system is, I don't claim to understand it, to go to other planets, which seems likely, then it could be the same as what we say where, like, I'm Welsh. All my family's from Welsh. There's one German person in there somewhere, but I don't, when people ask where you're from, I don't say I'm Welsh. I say I'm from America, sometimes reluctantly, depending on where I am. And it could be the same thing where their origin point was Earth, but they've lived on these other planets for so long that they say they're from Zeta Reticuli or whatever, you know, star system somewhere, because that's their most proximate point of origin, even though they might be humans who in the future develop technology that allows them to travel and travel interstellarly and uh, through time. Because I argue often that I think you need both of those because of the time dilation effect. Makes sense. Let's go to Deb. If they can't make hybrids with humans and apes where our DNA and genetics are a 98% match, how can they, the extraterrestrials, use our DNA? Wait, you added that. She didn't have that in there. I, I, know. I don't see that in her. Uh, add our DNA to make alien hybrids who are totally different beings than humans. All right, I'm going to have to read that without your little joke in there. What, the extra temptation island terrestrials? <laughs> I like that even better. Dude, if you keep working on that, you're going to have like a 20-syllable word. As someone just said, you can only I'm do trying. four syllables at once. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. I, I, I think, you know, regardless, it, even if they're extraterrestrials, or terrestrial club medicals, then leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. 
to the CPAP Games live from the Hayes bedroom. It's another eventful night, Bruce. It sure is, Ron. Steve has been struggling with this CPAP. His wife, Michelle, is trying to contain her rage. Michelle throws an elbow. She's leaving for the couch. Steve should get inspired. Absolutely, Bruce. Inspire is a sleep apnea treatment that gives you comfortable, restful sleep with the click of a remote. There's no mask and no hose. Just sleep. Learn more at InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com. They're still going to have highly evolved technology that allows them to integrate themselves with other people's DNA if they have DNA. And that's the big stumbling block for me is that's a very specific coding system for all life on this planet. Viruses have RNA, but they're not considered living because they can't self-replicate. They have to prey on things that have DNA to replicate themselves. So if they had another coding system, it's so unlikely that they would even have DNA or could meld themselves with us. Again, it comes back to Occam's razor. The simplest answer is if we can reproduce and not only can we reproduce, but we have the same bits and pieces to actually like stick something in something else, combine our DNA to make something like a lot of it happens externally based on a lot of reports of these incubation chambers and exogenesis chambers, but people have had sex Antonio Villas-Boas, Willie Strieber. I mean, the list goes on. Women, too, have had sex. The, the parts have to fit together. It's not even just about the DNA. It's about the physiology, too. All right. Ex, Exo-expansion again. Do you believe that humans can be immortal? And if so, how? Uh... You know, it gets into a belief system at this point, but I do believe, based on other people's near-death experiences, that our consciousness is immortal. What that means for these physical bodies, I don't know. A lot of people have past lives. Are they moving through time into these physical entities that exist in those times as that consciousness? I think it comes down to whether you're talking about the physical body or the consciousness. And I do think the consciousness is immortal, but the physical body obviously is not. Sovereign wild man. Are there different timelines and realities then? I don't think so. Only because there's no evidence yet to suggest there are, but if there ever is, or even an indication that there is, I would definitely jump on board with that. Follow up question. Do you have access to Tacos Al Pastor in Montana? I do not. I don't even have Chipotle where I live, and it's a very, very big problem for me. I don't even have a McDonald's in my town. What? How many Tim Hortons do you have, though? You probably have like 20 Tim Hortons. One. (laughs) Whatever. You're lying, man. You probably have one in your basement. You probably have a secret Tim Hortons in your basement. I wish. I wish. (laughs) I I wish. No, uh, we only have one in my town. And from November to December, it was a very, very tough push because they closed for renovations for like seven weeks. Oh, God. Where was Trudeau in that? You know, he should have stepped in and like, build a secret emergency Tim Hortons or something. That's what happens when you live in a conservative town. He doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't care. He doesn't let care. them suffer. If it was, let them eat, if it let was, them eat non Tim Hortons cake. If it was Montreal woke or woke Coover or woke Anto, 
then uh, it would be then it would be all over it he'd be all (laughs) over it you know we got two minutes to go here with you man this has flown on by we got we got to do this more often because you're almost fun you're almost fun what almost well one of these days i had hoped that i reached the the stage of fun i guess if we do it long enough you know what True story. Uh, we'll, we'll reach one. Back uh, last year at UFO Con 2022, I go up on stage. I give a presentation. And halfway through my presentation, Paul Hynek is sitting in the audience. Love Paul Hynek. And I put up a picture of Paul Hynek. And I said, uh, when you move forward after this topic, please remember that Paul Hynek is not funny. <laughs> You did that as a burn, or oh, yeah. did he know it was going to be? Okay, nice. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> this continues. The next day he gives his speech, and he puts uh, my my giant, enormous, bulbous head on top of an <laughs> alien body, you know, and says this something along the lines of, you know, we, we only hope that aliens don't turn out to look like this, right? <laughs> Yes, that's right. awesome. And then it continued at the it. MUFON conference last year where people at the MUFON conference were literally coming up to me. Are you guys fighting? Do you and Paul Heineck <laughs> not get along? Right? Oh, but it, I think he'll be back. Like one the- of those celebrity feuds kind of. Where you're just oh. Throwing shade at each other. Him and I are just that's awesome. killing it. Killing it. Yeah, Random guy no, says. great. By the way, random guy says we can observe through potential mechanisms I cannot confirm, meaning the photos exist in time the same way photos exist in the universe. What the hell that means, I have no idea. But Dr. Michael Masters, it is that time once again where we got to say goodnight to you, my friend. Thank you for a great show. Thank you, Dave. So it's great talking to you. Much love, man. Much love to you, my brother. Hey, uh, I need a favor from you before you leave. Coming up next, we got the Swamp Dweller. Then we are heading to the Timbit land for the UFO Report. Spaced Out Radio's Hour 3 is next. Can you uh, send me your your address? I got to update your clothing. Yeah, for sure. I got to update your hoodie. You're not like Unabomber guy, are you? Oh, Totally. Totally, you know that. All right. Well, I'll just have my kids open it then. Yeah. Um. Actually, you are right. My my spaced out radio sweatshirt is like peeling, and not because it's a low quality sweatshirt, but because I wore it a lot and washed it a lot. So I'll it get, definitely needs I'll get you something new. it needs revamping. So I'll yeah, new. I'll shoot you. Uh, I'll shoot you an email with that tomorrow. What's it like being a size medium? What the hell does that mean? I don't know. I've never I, heard that term. I've before. never been. A, I I have a bit of medium in long time. No, seriously, uh, just put down science medium. I just wrote that down too. That's interesting. I said size. That's a Canadian accent. Size me. Oh, are you, what's I you not science. science medium? Like I I channel oh, Alfred Russell Wallace or something. You might. You might send me your size. No, I'm your... a I'm a size large, my friend. Size oh. large. Right on. If you sent me a medium, that that would be an instant hand me down to my kids because I can't wear that. I'll send you some stuff. 
Do you have do you have kid sizes? I can I can send some over. I got because uh, my daughter loves the stuff. Like she wears she wears saucer stuff. Like she once wore a saucer sweatshirt every day to school that I got her at a conference once for three weeks. My, and we were all like, you can't wear that same thing all the time. But if you sent her one, like a, a small or like a kid's medium or an adult small, dude, uh, she would rock how, how, how your old is she? shit. Uh, she is 12, about to be 13. I got something perfect but, for her. Uh, my, awesome. my son actually designed, and it's for sale on our website, designed a Windigo hoodie for kids. Oh, nice. That sounds awesome. I'll send that over. Dude, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Thank you, man. Hey, great conversation tonight. It you was only, you super only got the fun. One, you only got the one kid? I thought you had two. No, I have two kids. Well, I mean, how many do you have? Well, I mean. And do I still get one if you send stuff yeah, for my kids? Yeah, I'll send you Oh, uh, all right. So I'm an adult large. What about your wifey? My wife is an adult small. Okay. My son is nine. He's probably a your son and my son are the same age. Large. What's what size your kid wear? He wears. Uh, I got him in a small right now. Yeah, probably the same. Yeah. But send a medium just in case, because I want him to wear it for decades. Yeah, we'll do. All right, brother. You take care. Rock and roll. So man. fun, Dave. It's always fun. Have a good night. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Michael Masters, everyone. Michael Masters. There he goes. There he goes. Uh, Hello, William F. Metz. And who else stepped in here? Let's see. Timmy. Anybody else? Timmy. Steve Wolf, thank you for that super chat, my man. Going along with T Tui, Deb One, and Frontier Times Two. Thank you for the love and support. Timmy. I am Pam, by the way. You can get your random guy t-shirts at spacedoutradio.com. You can get your Timmy t-shirt at spacedoutradio.com. Don't forget, I will be hanging out in San Francisco, California, March 17th through 19th at UFOCon 2023. Lots of great speakers there, including Science Bob, Melinda Leslie, and more. What you want to do is go to UFOCon2023.com. And if you're in the Bay Area, come over and see old Davey. Come hang out. That's what I do. I'll just be hanging out. And be like Thin Lizzy and join us at Spaced Out Radio's 
second annual fan party in Las Vegas, May 19th through 21st at the Golden Nugget Casino. Eric Markham will be there. Simon from Australia will not, but he'll be there in spirit. We got like seven hours of YouTube shows to do for you. Plus VIP party. Check the ticker below. Go or go to info at spacedoutradio.com. Let us know whether you want the regular tickets or the VIPs. The VIPs come with a swag bag and a special party on the Friday night. Yeah. It's going to be good, people. It is going to be good. Little Jimmy Goodall will be there. Jeff Townsend, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Who else is coming on in? Larky Derry, how are you? Gong Show, you know I don't do that, man. You know I don't do that. Pissing me off if you don't make it, Evan Walters. Here we go. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live at KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Macropodine. Macropodine is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as a clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read the newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show. And on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. We're heading to the swamp. Swamp Dweller's got to set up for another spooky story. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. I lived in Utah for a year now, and I've got to say it's the most beautiful state, in my opinion. Mountain ranges, valleys, and ski resorts galore, but there is a dangerous side of the wilderness here too, especially in the mountains. I've lived in multiple places in this state, such as Heber, Midway, Provo, St. George, etc. A little bit about me is that I'm an avid angler, and this story takes place in southern Utah. It was the weekend and my dad often went fishing after a long week's work. We had decided to go to Quail Lake State Park for our weekend trip. A fantastic view of mountains, clear water, and big fish is all we needed. We had gotten there at about three to four in the afternoon and tossed our lines out. 
After some time, I thought it was a good idea to find a new spot to be by myself. So I trailed across this creek that followed into the river and then to the lake, traversing over hills, banks, and rocks to see where I'd think I'd have the best luck, and I stumbled upon a little peak out in the water and started setting up my rods. It was 7 o'clock and the sun was setting when I started getting a weird feeling that I shouldn't be there, but I stayed anyway. Nature around me soon started getting quiet and the occasional car passing across the lake, but I had blown it off thinking I came here to fish and relax, trying not to stress myself out. My dad texted me saying it was time to go. I checked my phone for the time and two hours had already passed. The sun was past to set and no moonlight. So I started packing and went on my way hiking back over the hills and banks. On the trail to that spot, a lengthy rock bank with tall trees in the water caved into each other like a swamp that I crossed to get there. On the way back to the car, I had come to realize that that part of the trail had a massive splash, like someone had jumped in front of me in those trees, like full force. I could see the ripples come to shore, and there was no way anything smaller than 130 pounds made that disturbance in the water. It creeped me out, but I blew it off as a branch falling or something like that, as there were a lot of waterlogged trees that had been rotted. So I kept trucking along. Not even five seconds later, there were more sounds of something trudging through the water, and it sounded like it kept getting closer. The moment that happened, I snapped my head around with my flashlight, and the noises instantly stopped. I then remembered my knife that I had on me and pulled it out, yelling at whoever or whatever was making that noise to not come near me. I sat for days, scanning the trees, waiting for whatever it was to charge me, but nothing happened. I kept walking back past that rock bank, and almost as soon as I got off that bank, the splashes came back, but way closer than before. I started running, and whatever was following me stayed on my tail, but every time I looked back, there was nothing but waves from it. I had then crossed the creek like I had done before, coming to the hill straight up to where my dad had parked a million times. I stopped and turned around to get a good look at whatever this thing was finally, and there was no more splashing, no more ripples, and I saw nothing. But what has me questioning my sanity is that I could only hear water falling off the body of whatever was following me. I was scanning the rest of the trees and the bank and never saw a thing. I quickly turned around, ran up to the hill, got into the car, and told my dad to drive. I told him what happened, and to no surprise he didn't believe me at first until I told him the whole story and how serious my demeanor was. I still occasionally go out to Quail Lake, and I still haven't seen anything close to that experience. It's not only a story, but one of these things that sticks out to me the most. It still leaves me wondering who or what was with me that night. Uh, that's why we love the swamp dweller around here taking us on another spooky journey each and every night. God, I love it. Absolutely fun. Absolutely a blast. And if you want more, you can always head over to Swamp Dweller Reads on YouTube. That's youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads and go listen for yourself today, tomorrow, the next day, whenever you want. So make sure you do that. From the swamp to the stars... It's time for little Timmy Senor and the UFO report. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know.
Very nice. What are you doing with a Timbit? How did you get a Timbit? It's crazy, isn't it? It's madness. You must think I have a special direct mail order for these things. But no, what's happening is that Hostess is cheating. They're trying to duplicate. They they created something that is a lookalikey. Right on. Yeah, yeah. They smell great. I, I haven't actually tried one yet. <laughs> I don't know the if Tim I would. look alike. I don't know if I would, buddy. I don't How are know. things on your end, buddy? You seem like you're uh, off in another world today. What an incredible guest. Off in another world? I, I'm, I'm yeah. red hot right now, man. Are you? You're red hot. Man, uh, Michael was just on fire. Was and he? the funny thing is, is um, we became Facebook friends today. I don't even Facebook, but I didn't even know he was going to be on your show. And we became Facebook friends today for the first time. He's a good dude, man. Weird. And there he is on your show. Just so cool. I have so much respect for him and his knowledge. Yeah. You, know, you know, I, you know what, Tim, I, I'm going to be blunt here. And, you know, this might even come as a surprise to your audience or audience or whatever. I get really, really intimidated when I bring science people on. I really do. Because it's it's something that I'm not a scientist. I I, I don't speak sciencies. Okay? I know that's not a word. Alright. And I I I just I panic, man. I, I literally panic. Like tomorrow night when Gary Nolan is on. Like, oh, my God. That's right? going to be amazing. You know? It's going to be amazing. My but heart is racing. Here's the beauty. The, the, the Dave, you have that ability to get past the fact that somebody may or may not have a PhD. Because really that. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is your new year still falling flat? Do you avoid stairs with multiple steps? You are not alone. This year, millions will be diagnosed with low energy or low E, but there's a cure. Now through January 31st, join Planet Fitness for just $1 down, $10 a month, no commitment. With clean, spacious clubs and tons of equipment, you can boost your energy after just one workout. Leave low E behind and find your big fitness energy at Planet Fitness. Join in the free PF app for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends Tuesday, January 31st. See Home Club for details. Time in school is irrelevant when you're sitting in front of somebody, when you're having a conversation on a topic. And... Hopefully their PhD has led them down the path of learning and teaching. And so they're here absolutely on par to help you to educate everybody. So you, you do an amazing job um, of no matter who's sitting in front of you, having a real conversation. And tonight was a perfect example of that. You guys delved in some, into some great topics that got me thinking that's, that's great. And that's what we're here for. Oh, I appreciate that, man. I yeah, appreciate that's why I'm that. here too, buddy. I mean, I feel challenged by everybody I come across too, but that's the beauty of it. 
I think that's why we're all human. We're all here to learn from each other, right? So, yeah. I agree. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that All right. One. All right. You convinced me. I don't agree, but uh, I'll, I'll give you it. Oh, cheers. No problem. No problem. What are we looking at? Metallic orbs over Mosul in Iraq? What's going on here? Yeah, exciting new release coming from Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp. And so obtained uh, through their sources, journalists Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp have released a new image still from video that potentially exists through their new UFO podcast called Weaponized. And so the sighting in a conflict zone where the U.S. military is operating has sparked security and safety concerns at the Department of Defense. And so absolutely, as you're saying here exclusively, we're finding this image obtained of a metallic orb flying over Mosul, Iraq um, from back in April of 2016. And so this is considered to be taken from footage by U.S. intelligence recon planes. Um, and so specifically, the image captured shows what does look like a metallic orb in the bottom left of the frame. And around the uh, frame of the image, we do get the hub or the heads up display information pertaining to the uh to the image that we're looking at. And so we're able to verify quite a lot of the information. And so the briefing in the video describes it as a short clip of an unidentified flying orb that appears to have a metallic shine on its surface and shows the strange object flying over the city of Mosul in northern Iraq with the background of the shot showing the streets below. And so the image captured in 2016 of April by intelligence reconnaissance plane was included in a classified briefing video on UFOs shown to multiple U.S. government agencies. And so it is first publicly revealed image uh, recently, and the U.S. government's ongoing UFO investigation will be showing other unidentified craft over conflict zones. And so we can keep our eyes to upcoming reports that we may see flowing forward. But again, this image is showing a UFO fly flying around where the U.S. military is operating, and it has sparked security and safety concerns at the Department of Defense, with military officials worried that it could endanger pilots and grouped troops down below. And so although the image itself is not classified, footage from the Im image was captured and was part of a classified briefing produced by the Pentagon's Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, UAPTF. And so that was a unit tasked by tasked rather with investigating UFO incidents, which has now been replaced by another office in the Department of Defense, now known as Aero. And so this new information being obtained here by uh, Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp, releasing this information via their new podcast, Weaponized, the briefing describes and shows the UFO is moving from south to north and adding that it does not appear to descend. And so in a four-second video titled Mosul Orb, 
including in the briefing, the UFO appears for one second as it flies alongside the MC-12 spy plane. Intriguingly, the object appears to I'm sorry, excuse me, there appears to have no apparent flight surfaces like wings or discernible propulsion. And so an intelligence source with operational knowledge of the footage said it was filmed using full motion video by a DGS-1 unit, implying that the plane's sensors captured infrared and other data when it filmed the UFO. And so we understand that officials who assembled the briefing video believe the orb was under intelligent control. One intelligent source said the video was sent to Joint Base Langley in Virginia, where imagery and electronic signal intelligence experts studied it for United States Central Command. And so despite being analyzed and studied by intelligence experts for over six years, the incident remains unexplained. Dave, it's incredible new information. It was kind of a drop that's been promised by this team, Jeremy Corbell and uh, George Knapp. And so it's a little bit new information. It's their first drop for 2023. What are your first thoughts on this fairly incredible drop? Well, I'm really surprised that anything's been released because we were told that nothing would be released by the U.S. Navy or or anybody else regarding UFOs. We were told that, you know, this past uh, fall. But I brought in Random Guy on this because he wanted to speak about this. Random Guy, can you hear us? Let me get you uh, from mute here. You got me? There you are. Random Guy. Yes, I have some great knowledge of this, as you know. Not from the specific incident, but as in, this is what I do. Um, let's start with the aircraft that, that took this shot. So that everybody knows, um, as Tim alluded to, right, this is an MC-12. Just so we establish a baseline for what we're discussing right now, an MC-12 is a King Air 350 civilian aircraft, very common. It's a twin turboprop aircraft. This is manned with two pilots. It used to be a single pilot that actually moved the two pilots because we had a bunch of them crashing. Unfortunately, I had the uh, misfortune of dealing with some of them. Anyways, I digress. It's a minimum of a, of a crew of two up to six. And this is a manned aircraft that would be doing surveillance for intelligence purposes. Um, so understand there was people and whatever was filming this, if, if all this is accurate and all this, all of our data we know to be true, let's start with the facts in the baseline here, okay? This is a King Air 350 is heavily modified to do surveillance. Manned aircraft, people inside of it. The cameras they use, they have thermal, they have IR, they have all these different things, right? So if the heads-up display of the imagery that we received is accurate, then we can glean some details from this, as I kind of mentioned to you guys earlier uh some of those details include the altitude of the aircraft the airspeed of the aircraft uh and where it's located right you can tell that from the hud that's why i've dismissed a lot of ufo videos in the past as not being genuine because they intentionally hide the heads up display and anybody that knows what they're talking about we can figure out what's going on by that heads up display this one included the heads up display interesting to me 
and it doesn't mean this is not a fact of uh, it's real or it's not real, not a fact of the orb itself, but I look for details. So like if, if the audience and the people trying to get information out of this want to know something, what, what do we want to know? We want to know what are facts. We don't want to know what's BS, right? If we're being smokescreened, if it's if something's going on. So what you can tell by this heads up display is you guys look in the top left-hand corner. This is not, I'm not telling you guys anything you can't see yourselves, right? There's a little thing that says UTC, universal time code. In the old way, in the old days, uh, we used to use uh, Greenwich median time, right? Basically, England. England is like the, the center place for timekeeping for all military when you use this stuff. So that's what UTC is. If you notice, it says UTC plus zero. And again, this may, may or may not ever become relevant, but it does become relevant for, for the reasons I'm about to explain. UTC zero is England. Okay. If this aircraft was over Iraq, it would have to be UTC plus three or UTC plus four. Originally, initially, when I saw this imagery, I assumed it was a drone, not an actual manned aircraft, right? Because if you're flying a drone, you can fly from anywhere in the world. It could be Nevada, it could be California, it could be England, it could be Germany, and you're flying that drone. This is a manned aircraft, supposedly with a camera on it, that has a UTC plus zero. If it was a if it was a drone, I could make the assumption. Okay, they're going on the local time of the drone origin, meaning England. But what they're saying is, by the HUD again, can be mistakes, there can be errors, there can be all kinds of stuff. But I'm telling you guys, UTC zero is England. You can Google it if you don't believe me. And um, very briefly, before I pass on that, um, according to the HUD data, is that data? Um, automated or would the pilot have to manually go in there and set that information so could the majority of the time that the the pilots don't touch the systems it's usually set by the the whoever's in charge of intelligence or reconnaissance or what have you at the base of origin and that's why i said okay if it's out of england and it's a drone that would make sense so the only reason that would potentially make sense is they flew literally from England over to Iraq is what I'm getting at. There's no way a base in that operating in that in that operating area would have a UTC of zero because it doesn't make sense. And that's these are permanent records. These things are a lot of times are classified. I don't know if this was classified or not, but the fact we're seeing it tells me it's either not or a nothing burger or someone's in big trouble, right? It's one of those. Um, do you, do you lean but they would assign it on the launch of the vehicle. Okay. And so that tells me if that vehicle didn't launch from it, we know this is a manned vehicle because we know the aircraft type, right? So if, the, if those are not automated vehicles, they're King Air turboprops. <laughs> and so if that's the case, they either left from England to fly over wreck, which is really still, it just doesn't make sense because of the range of the King Air then. If you go into what, that's a I'm long talking. flight. Um, I don't know if it's even possible, to be honest with you. Let me ask so you. So to me, I'm not saying that makes it fake. Uh, it could be an error. It could be any number of things. Uh, but I want, this is what I bring to your show. I want the audience to understand these things. 
could that it be doesn't a, a, head, a head up heads up display error? Hundred percent, it could be. But when we're talking about intelligence gathering, highly unlikely, my friend. I've worked with a ton of this stuff. I've never seen an error that egregious. And it matters because it goes on permanent record because maybe nothing happened that day. Maybe there's no orb. Maybe no one dies. That still goes into our archive so that six months from now, if a general is like, hey, what happened to Mosul that day? That will come up. And they need to know what time it happened. And if you see, it says like 9.30 a.m. UTC zero, meaning 9.30 a.m. local time at UTC zero. Well, the UTC zero is freaking England, not Iraq. So what's your plausible, <laughs> what's your plausible theory? We we've got, let me just see how much time we have here. We have, no, I'm not trying to blow it up. I just wanted to have that input for you, for your audience. Okay. All right. Well, random guy, hold on for a couple seconds. Cause I do have a couple no questions problem. about this. Tim, no problem. We're, we're going to break here at the bottom of the hour. We got 30 minutes to go on spaced out radio tonight. It's a UFO report. With Tim Senor and special guest. We call him Random Guy around here because he's just so random. He pops in and out. We'll be back with more Spaced Out Radio when we return here right after this. Stay tuned. All right, we are clear. You guys I'm still here. Right awesome. Thanks for jumping in. Deb, I like your voice. Your voice is amazing in chat. We've got a great chat. <laughs> I love this chat. No, Timmy, I, I had to jump on during the show because I had something tangible to say instead of my usual rants and speculation. Yeah. It's like we- if I can give you guys some insight. And, yeah. and I had told, I, I think I texted you earlier about this. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. I I mean, I run a lot of stuff by you. You know that. And I appreciate your insight. I'm sure Dave's going to have some questions too. And I don't want my questions to get by our radio audience. So I'm going to hold off. Yeah, definitely do that. No, yeah. I'm just letting you guys know, uh, this is not anything privy uh, that I'm telling you guys. This is common knowledge you can literally google at this point i'm just giving you guys kind of the way the business works and it's nothing special no it's but it's it's important because and here's why it's special and i'll reiterate when the radio comes back if necessary the reason i'm telling you guys this chat people watching 250 of you and i appreciate you guys watching and listening the reason i'm trying to give you guys this information i'm not saying it means it's fake i'm not saying it's bs because Here's what's going to happen. At some point, a government entity is going to have to comment on this, right? Whether it's official, non-official, a rumor. And if you guys understand the type of the aircraft that had to be man-flown, the altitude is at and the time it was listed, if they try to tell you guys some BS, you're going to immediately know it's fake, right? And you wouldn't know that if I'm not telling you how. And I'm telling you exactly how I'm right about it. That's why I'm here to do this for you guys. Yeah. 
Um, actually, I do have one question that I could ask probably off off air. Sure. Shoot. Um, what are the you. so we only get this still, and there's like obviously lots of theories on just what that object could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, have you seen the video portion of this? I have not seen the four second video. Okay. When I hear four second video, I can think about as. Never mind. I was going to make an inappropriate joke. I'll leave it there. No, I have not seen it. Okay. <laughs> right. I guess we, we would need to see it. But, I mean, what are the chances that this is just some kind of debris or liquid on our lens and it passes off quickly? That's definitely possible. So, one thing, I, I mean, I should probably save this for the radio show, but I was going to give. So, I've worked with reconnaissance when I was in the military, unofficially. I saw things I wasn't supposed to see and got explanations I wasn't supposed to get. So I can kind of speak to this unofficially, but kind of know what I'm talking about, if you guys trust me or not. Um, when something is out of focus, that means it's close to the camera that's photographing it, okay? If this thing was down low, if it was a balloon, if it was anything more than, let's say, a 1,000 feet below this aircraft, it would have been somewhat in focus. Fact is blurry means it's closer to the aircraft than to the ground. And that's one thing that's important. Okay. It could definitely be debris. It could definitely be, uh, it's definitely not water. I can tell you that a hundred percent. It's not water. It's not a water spot on the camera. I saw some people hmm. suggesting that on Twitter. That's absolutely not the case. Hmm. I'll risk my hey, reputation hey, on that. Let's save that for the radio show guys. Okay. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. <laughs> Tim, Tim I'm just excited about this because when I know about stuff and I'm like, I know this. Uh, usually knows. all I say is I think when I know, I want to tell you guys more than you know. And when I have <laughs> questions, I can't help myself. No, do it, Tim. Yeah. This is the great part about this. There's nothing about the story I can't speak about. Because right, it, <laughs> it doesn't go into anything I've been briefed on or would be getting in trouble for talking about. So I I will go all the way with you guys on this one. Cool. That's why we love him. That's why he's the random guy. (laughs) What else are we talking about here? I can't wait for you guys to come back so we can meet up, hang out. I know. Soon, man. Just a few months away. And we're going to make it much longer. The last time we hung out, it was only like an hour or two. This time, I, I'm really looking forward to having like a full evening for us to BS and discuss things. Yeah. Really looking forward to it. Well, we got five days. Uh, I want to say thank you to T2E, yeah. Deb, Juan, Frontier Times 2, and Steve for the super chats. Hey, come meet Random Guy in Vegas at our fan party. Here we go with the final half hour. We round a third. We're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears. I want to remind you that if you've missed most of this show or others, you can check out our archives for free by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Just do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. 
We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on with the UFO report. Little Timmy Senor, the Timbit, is here for the UFO report. Special guest, Random Guy. That's what we named him. Yeah, we couldn't be more creative than Random Guy, but it works for us. <laughs> Gentlemen, welcome back. We're talking about this release of this photo and a four-second video of a what looks to be a metallic orb over Mosul, Iraq, taken by a military aircraft, and there's great debate whether or not this photo is fake or not. Random guy, you don't think it's a puddle of water on the ground like many on Twitter are saying right now. Correct. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Domino's Mix and Match menu has items for every occasion. Flaked on your friend's open mic night? Flaky bread twists and molten lava cake should do the trick. Soccer team duty? Medium two-topping pizzas and stuffed cheesy bread are your best defense. Is it your dog's half birthday? Celebrate his biggest day with savory sandwiches and tender specialty chicken. Mix and match two or more items for $6.99 each at Domino's. Ask for this offer two-item minimum prices, participation, delivery area, and charges may vary. Bone and wings, bread bowl, pasta, and pan pizza will cost extra. Local stores have delivery fees and can charge extra for some menu items. Um, well, all I can say is this. Um, and and uh, I'm inferencing my recollections of things that are similar in nature. Um, one thing is for sure, this camera was looking at a specific ARO. So it's looking at a, a response area, something that somebody or something, neighborhood street assets are watching. That's the purpose of what they're doing. Uh, so they zoom in. This one, I believe, was at somewhere between 19 and 24,000 feet. That's a zoomed in lens. So anything that is down low should be relatively in focus. Clearly the orb is not meaning the orb, whether now here's the thing. I'm not saying it's an orb, not even saying it's UFO. It could be debris. It could be any number of things. That's not what I do. That's what you guys do is discern those things. I tell you what's fake and what's real. I do not know what that is. What I will tell you is this, whatever it is, is not on the lens of that camera but it is in proximity to the aircraft more so than the ground that is focused on. And that's what I can tell you. What about the shadowing on the ground? Or is I don't see, I don't see enough to tell me that's what's happening. And here's the thing. If, if that's the case, if you believe if, if there is shadowing on the ground, then realistically, at the altitude this aircraft is, the camera output this thing is, then it's probably fake. So, getting, because where it's at in proximity to twenty four thousand feet off the ground, and the size of this object probably ten meters, twenty meters at the most in diameter. Yeah, it would not be able to cast a shadow that you would cast on that camera on a moving twenty four thousand foot King Air three fifty. Not to mention the reflection on this supposed orb 
the sunlight, the, mm-hmm. you know, wouldn't make a shadow there. Correct. Correct. I'm, I'm, if you believe there's a shadow and you have any kind of, uh, people that are smarter than me with video analysis that can determine that's what's happening, then I would believe it's CGI more than realistic. Well, let me ask you this, because you do believe this is in the sky, this this metallic orb. But you're, if I'm correct, you're not believing that it is, this photo was taken in Mosul, Iraq, due to the head-up display on the photo showing UTC time at zero, which is Greenwich Main Time, if I'm correct. Well, it's just an impossibility, Dave. We're talking about an aircraft that has about a few hundred miles of range. If the UTC time is England and it took off from England, it's just impossible that it would be over Iraq. Now it's possible the heads up display is wrong. Somebody could have made an error, human error. Um, it could have been on CENTCOM time, but CENTCOM time is usually set to the ARO, which would be like Ali Deed or Qatar, whatever's in charge at that time in the region, it would be plus four. So like, that's confusing to me. So there could be multiple things that are fake about this. It could be a fake overlay. It could be a fake CGI orb. There's lots of things that could be fake about this. And the only reason I'm telling you, I'm not saying it is fake because I don't know. That's not what I do. I'm just trying to inform you guys about the way this stuff works. The UTC time, you guys can Google it. Chat, there's 250 of you in the chat. Go Google UTC time. Tell me what plus zero is. Look at that heads up display. Tell me I'm wrong. This is not anything I'm telling you that's a secret. That's wrong. And that's where I'm like, right out the gate, I'm like, um, okay. I need to hear more details to be convinced. Tim, what's your thoughts? Well, I, d- I wish that I knew what Mosul, Iraq looked like, because if it looked like that background, at least we could cross that off the list and be like, well, hey, you know what? That looks familiar. I can I can maybe line some of that up. But I'm not familiar enough with that area, unfortunately. But what I am interested in are some of the details that could be true. And so um, I like to think that some of the previous information that we've gotten has been legitimate, like things that are real. So let's just assume that everything in the frame at least exists. So there is an object there potentially. Um, now, I'm interested on in what kind of object that could be, if that's a real object. Um, how can something that shape move um, the way it's being portrayed in the video and along with the story that goes behind it? Um, now, I understand that there's a classified briefing video and a, obviously a narrative that goes with that. And along with that, I believe that there was another data point, perhaps some radar. And so I believe this is the sort of stuff that we may get more from because we know that Corbell likes to drop something and then something else to follow up. And now we know that he is promoting his new show that he is um, producing with George Knapp, Weaponized. And so through that podcast, perhaps he's going to be following up, um, you know, because according to that is going to be a regular show. So. Again, I would just like to assume that we're going to get more information on this and perhaps some uh, corroborating information, which would be great. Because at this point, um, we have nothing but more questions as usual. But it is incredibly tantalizing. And if taken at face value, 
I feel it's significant and I would never discourage information like this from being dropped. We need more information, even with our skeptical minds. We need more information. I'm just surprised it came out, guys. We were told we were not getting anything. And the fact that this has now dropped, either either Jeremy Corbell was holding on to this and waiting for the right time to to drop it when him and George Knapp started their own podcast, or there's another leak inside that's still allowing these photos to get out. Random guy, how does that look for you? Well, in my opinion, so here's the problem for I have. The problem I have is I'm the super skeptic, right? And I know how things work. So for me, the problem out the gate is how easy they put this up there. And I've already found some incongruencies with what I'm saying. All right. Now I look forward to hearing more, seeing more. Um, I also noticed that the heads up display is red. That's neither here nor there, but in my experience, that's not the color. I won't say what color it is because then it will give away other stuff. Uh, red is a very rare color. I've, don't know that I've seen that in an official briefing ever when I've watched it heads up displays from drones or anything else ever. Like, ever. Um, the fact that UTC is off is questionable. Um, I've never been to Mosul. I have been in the Middle East in, in combat zones. Um, none of them were as pretty as the picture you're looking at there, but who knows? It's like 10 years later, 12 years later, whatever, right? So I'm not going to say that's not real. Um, but then again, orbs are something we know especially with the naval stuff, is something that has been reported. So orb would be an object we have to pay attention to. Um, shadowing would cast immediate doubts, lighting off the orb. But again, I'm not even looking at that deep. I'm kind of waiting for the next shoe to drop, like you said. like They must have something else to substantiate this. Because they got to know there's people like me that are going to look at this and tear it apart and be like, dude, <laughs> I know that plane didn't come from Iraq or whatever, you know, yada, 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 based on what I'm looking at on the screen. I'm not the only veteran that understands the way the world works. And this is not even top secret or anything like that. You can Google everything I'm saying. It's nothing. It's just people, stuff people don't know. And uh, I know it. <laughs> so to me, it's questionable. I want to see what they bring next. I'm hopeful because if it's legitimate, clearly that's awesome. Like we need to investigate, but if I can dismiss it, you know damn well I'm going to do so also. Yeah. If you're <laughs> able to suspend your disbelief for a moment um, and just uh, if, take everything here at face value, would you consider this potentially a piece of technology that is ours? Do you think it could be something no. from somewhere else? 100%. And, I can tell you it's not ours. I like that answer. Do you have any more insight that you could share if this was just real? If it's real, um, then they're here. It's simple as that. We don't, as far as I'm aware, and and again, I don't know everything. I'm just a random guy that knows random things, but I know a lot of things, guys. <laughs> I know a lot. And I'm telling you, um, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense scientifically. Now, the shape, don't get... I remember Dave was on a show either earlier today or yesterday, I don't remember, recall exactly, where someone was talking about a rectangular aircraft and how it doesn't matter the shape, guys. Okay? If we're going down this road, 
join me in understanding the propulsion systems go beyond gravity. They go beyond friction, air friction. They like, let's get past that and understand if, if, if you all want to come down this rabbit hole, the shape does not effing matter other than what it means to the aliens. Okay. Or to us, if we're, if it's terrestrial. So, so get over the fact it's a circle, it's a rectangle. It doesn't matter because if it can bypass this me- uh, simple mechanisms of air friction or water friction or whatever, or gravity, it doesn't matter what the shape is, right? It doesn't have to be aerodynamic. Right. Linger with me here for a moment um, <laughs> and theorize perhaps further with your background and understanding. What would be the purpose and understanding, of course, now scale may not matter if we're talking about something that's ET. Scale is not important either. So mm-hmm. um, what do you think the potential of that object could be if it was ET? If I go based on the human use of that shape and allow me to not be specific, but that specific shape of a sphere, the human use of that is analysis of the atmospheric conditions and reconnaissance. It is not based to have an interjection into whatever's happening. Humans use those shapes to do atmospheric, sorry, I'm not pronouncing it correctly, if you will, atmospheric (laughs) analysis. Basically, they want to know the weather, what is the air pressure, what is this, and recon, it's reconnaissance. So you feel so like if it's an alien, I feel like if this is extraterrestrial, if you want me to go all the way there, I will. Yeah. If this is extraterrestrial, they probably use an advanced version of what we use, which is remarkably similar, and I won't elaborate, to determine what is actually going on down there. And they probably release them from a larger ship, and it goes down, it does reconnaissance, it gathers the data they need, can measure radiation, RF interference, hostilities, atmosphere conditions, et cetera, and then go back up to the ship and give them a real-time report. Right. And so this shape also demonstrates what – I'm sorry, Dave, did I walk no, on you there? Yeah, you did, but that's okay. Finish up. Sorry. I was going to say this demonstrates and imitates what we also saw with the Omaha with another release from Jeremy Corbell where we saw something become um, – and go from the sky and went into water – theoretically. Um, And so transmedium is a new thing, kind of a new term. Do you feel that this potentially could be the same sort of thing with that same sort of potential? Yes. I believe anything that is a sphere is for analysis and reconnaissance, not to interact, not to interact with us. If it is in fact extraterrestrial. Thank you. Over Uh, to you, Dave. All right. Dark protocol has a comment that I put up on the screen. He says, UTC time is just the current UTC time. There is nothing to stop it from displaying UTC plus zero. Just because the craft is in Iraq doesn't mean the time code would also adjust to local time. What does that even mean? That's what I'm asking you. (laughs) Uh, UTC time is replacing GMT. It's if you, you... you can go Google it. <laughs> it doesn't take, you don't have to be in the military to know this. Go Google what UTC zero is. And then look at like, look at Google Iraq UTC time. It'll probably say plus three or plus four. 
Right. And does it automatically adjust to local time? Because I think what Dart protocol is saying here is that just because it's in Iraq doesn't mean that the code would adjust to local time. Um, I have to, unfortunately, I can't specify why I know that's not accurate. Okay. And I'll leave it like that. It's a good question though. Okay. No, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I, I can only refer you to Google. And, and just trust me. Trust me, bro. Like, it's one of those, unfortunately. I can't go deeper than that. UTC in Iraq is plus three. Okay, so uh, was it, did you Google that? Yes. So am I accurate or am I false? That would show accuracy. Right. I think okay. the question, and I mean, specifically, we're talking about would the, cra- would the flight uh, onboard tech adjust automatically to local time no because the purpose of tim i'm sorry to interrupt you but i'm gonna make this i'm gonna make this as clear as possible the whole reason we use utc is so that if the president of the united states is in washington dc no matter where in the world something is happening with the plus or minus we know exactly the geographic time code regardless of you know seasons anything it's the same way we use military time so there's no differentiation. You use UTC military time at all time. All the SEALs do. Everybody in special ops does. Most of the people in the military do, except for the stupid ones. I'm just kidding. There's no stupid people. That was mean. Um, basically, it's a way so you never mess it up. We know exactly where you are in the world because it has nothing to do with the seasons or where you are personally right now. If I hear plus three, I know you're in Iraq, period. Okay. And that's why I know it's a mistake for that comment. And so the the tech would adjust to local time. So if that if this it would either be the local time. So here's the thing: I know for unmanned, they can maintain UTC from the point of launch. There is, I'm not saying it's impossible, and there definitely could now. be there could definitely be mistakes. I just I clicked. wasn't I wasn't on that airplane. I understand why, <laughs> but you just can't so we're clear, that. there were men on that airplane or women, what have you, people, humans, on that aircraft, flying for hours. And there's no way that aircraft could have gone from England to Iraq. So if they took off from Iraq, or I can't say where, that's close by, and we're doing reconnaissance, there's absolutely 0% chance, not zero, but like it's super unlikely, dude. (laughs) Super unlikely they made that mistake. Because this this is a permanent intelligence record. But not that your clock right. Come on, bro. No, no. Thank you for clarifying that. That actually helped a lot. I'm trying to. I'm trying to impress upon you how big of a, how unlikely that is. It's not impossible, but it's so unlikely. Right. I just can't. I can't wrap my head around it. Right. That's what I'm getting at. Back over to you, Dave. (laughs) I'm still. I'm still wondering. You know, when this came out, how long has Corbell been holding on to this video? Well, I was going to yeah, ask, have you, is it the first time you've seen it? Right? Sorry, we, there was cross-streaming there. Uh, random guy, I, go I ahead. Believe, I believe the video is 2016. So I'm wondering if this was one of the videos that he was holding on to, because he did say he was given a number of videos, and we know that the Navy came out and said, you're not getting any more. We know the Army hasn't really released any, and the Air Force definitely has not released any. So I'm wondering if this is a video 
that has been sitting there. It's at least for seven the, years old. Yeah, <laughs> we know that. No, I I understand so we, I understand that, but a year and a half, two years ago, when Jeremy was uh, releasing other videos from the Navy, we knew he was getting it from a source within Washington D.C. And I'm wondering if this was one he held on specifically for the start of his podcast with George Knapp. Wouldn't surprise me for monetary gain. What do you think, Tim? Well, I'm really curious if the Mandela effect is taking place here on this, because I, when I saw this, felt like I'd seen it before somewhere. And I was wondering if anyone else out there felt the same way. And I'm like, is this just Mandela effect, like, taking place, you know? But when I saw this, it looked familiar to me. I was like, oh, it's that. And that's why at first I discounted it, feeling like it had been in the public purview at one point and just been tossed. But I don't know. I, I honestly felt like I had seen it before somewhere. I don't know. Am I alone on that? I could be. I'm catching up on the chat. <laughs> and all the people that all the people that seemingly hate the more I tell them, the more they hate me. I love this. <laughs> well, you know what? It it comes down to you know with This is hilarious. Well, it comes down to that a lot of people have had their wool pulled over their eyes by people who are saying the same thing you are. But on the flip side, for our listeners, what am I saying to everybody? I'm literally telling you guys what's BS. <laughs> right. I think that's the story that, is that, that no, it has, not, guys... no, has nothing to do with that. Has everything to yep. do with the fact that these people, a lot of them who've followed the podcasts and radio shows over time, are tired of NDA people saying, I can't tell you, but believe me. We'll get into it in an after show here. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you for everyone tuning us in on YouTube, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, Twitch, LinkedIn. The Space Travelers Club and on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. I know you're out there somewhere. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us because together, my friends. We're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night.
leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.